is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a Wednesday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. One more sleep till the Winnipeg Jets training camp is officially underway. And as Michael Remus said, we have a training camp mega preview today. Going to be a lot of fun. We're uh, I can't wait to have JP Vijay on. We, uh, of course, haven't really talked to Vijay throughout the offseason. But very interested on JP's takes on, you know, what hasn't hasn't happened over the course of the offseason, as well as the big news from Friday on the leadership change with the Winnipeg Jets and how that may resonate within the team heading into camp and, of course, the upcoming regular season. After that, Murata Tesh has tons of Jets coverage in The Athletic. Uh, we'll get his thoughts, uh, of course, on Friday's news as well. Uh, as in addition to the looks of uh, the groups, which Remus and I are going to talk about in, in a minute, a bit of a departure from certainly Paul Maurice's way of doing it, where you have most of the NHL club in one group and everybody else in another. Far more evenly split this year under Rick Bonus. So uh, we'll touch on that. Some fantasy outlook for uh, for Winnipeg Jet players from Murad as well. And his thoughts on that. everything going on with the club heading into the drop of the puck tomorrow. And we can't talk Jets to begin the season without welcoming in our good friend, Paul Edmonds, voice of the Jets on Jets Radio 680 CJOB. Paul, you'll join us a little later on. And... I promised yesterday when we were doing the cool bet lines that I would look into getting some numbers for Nikolai Ehlers. I also got numbers for Cole Perfetti. So we'll let you know what those totals are a little later on when we get to the cool bet lines. And of course, with live racing tonight at Assiniboia Downs, we'll hit that as well at the end of the program. Before we get Remus in here and get things going, a big thanks to the sponsors that power Winnipeg Sports Talk each and every day, including Cool Bet, Princess Auto, Not Auto Court. F Apparel, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Breezy Bend, Assiniboia Downs, Little Brown Jug, Consolidated Supply, Vita Health Fresh Market, Wallace and Wallace, Culligan Water, and of course the great taste of our favorite beer, Little Brown Jug. Let's get after it. Michael Remus, get in here. What's going on? I'm just uh, getting a bit of FOMO. Uh, not FOMO. What is that the ter- term I'm looking for? I just feel like excitement, anticipation. I don't know what the word is, but I just see all the maybe it is FOMO because I see these other teams having their media stuff today. Vancouver, Edmonton, Ottawa talking to the media and the Jets are they're not doing that today. They're doing medicals today and they're doing their stuff tomorrow. So maybe I'm having FOMO. I don't know. Maybe that's the term. That's fear of missing out. Uh, I believe it's in the dictionary now. Yeah, don't worry. You won't be missing out. We'll hear from all the Winnipeg Jets tomorrow, and uh, we'll be able to chop that up over the course of the next couple days on the program. A busy few days, of course, heading into Winnipeg Jets Fan Fest on Saturday, uh, which should be a fun, fun evening. I'll tell you what the Jets have been doing the last couple days. They're production days. And listen, I've been quite critical over the last 10 years of the fact that we don't see much personality at all from the Winnipeg Jets or hadn't in the past, and... I think that was, honestly, I think that hurt the team when it came to connecting with fans. And I think with the way things went the last couple of years, I think, you know, you had a perfect situation maybe to lose some people. Um, I'll tell you what, I think they are, they have really gone in a new direction when it comes to the the social media. I hope that will be the case throughout the season. Uh, But I have to admit, I laughed like crazy last night, checking my phone during the Jays game 
to see Pierre-Luc Dubois doing the Russell Wilson Jets Country Let's Ride video. And then today, most of the members of the Winnipeg Jets showing up on our feeds with the uh, old first day of school or first day of camp thing, talking about themselves and what they've been doing over the summer. Um, I'll say this, a nice start for the social media team. I think the Jets have been behind in that category in the National Hockey League for a few years. And um, I'll tell you what, regardless of what happens on the ice, I think the organization can go a long way to connecting fans with their team from doing things like this. And uh, I don't know. Of course, there are some people that were replying cringe and stuff into the Dubois thing. I don't think they got it. Uh, but it was very well done by the Jets, and I had a great laugh for it. And, of course, it was everywhere on your feed within about 20 minutes from the team tweeting it out last okay. night. So I'll play the Dubois thing first before we get to evaluating each Jets player's likes and dislikes and what they did in the summer. But, yeah, so in the summer, Russell Wilson, I guess the Broncos recorded this video of Russell Wilson recording promos. And he said, Broncos country, let's ride. It's kind of, you see, like the Seahawks were mocking uh, Russell Wilson uh, after they won that game. Everyone was. I mean, it yeah. was done. Uh, basically, somebody recorded a phone video of Russ doing all the takes in front of a green screen. Yeah. And then it became the gift to the internet after they lost the first game to Seattle. And a lot of people like poking fun at Russell Wilson because he's not only an incredible, great Super Bowl winning quarterback, but probably the corniest dude in pro sports. And uh, and it took on a life of its own. And this, like I said, I don't think we're going to be seeing Pierre-Luc Dubois doing Jets country, let's ride at the games. But the fact that they got him to do that, the fact that he bought into it, did it, and they put it out was um, was a nice bit of fun and fresh air around this team that we hadn't had in a long time. Here, I'll play the video. The podcast listeners, you can, uh, you'll be able to hear it. Here. Jets country, let's ride. Jets country, let's ride. Jets country, let's ride. So I thought that was, I, you said it to me. I'm like, this is great. This is hilarious. I think a lot of people in the comments maybe didn't get that it was a parody. They were writing like <laughs> cringe. I think it's supposed to be. It's making fun of Russell Wilson here. So I hope they show it on the Jumbotron uh, at a Jets game. Uh, I do, thought it do, was. Do we have? Can we get the original Russell Wilson? Yeah, here. Just sec. for folks that don't know what we're talking about, that haven't seen it before, um, uh, because it was. Uh, <laughs> I guess it's important to know. But if you have been in sports Twitter or on, where you probably would have seen that in the first place, I'm pretty sure the vast majority of people would have seen the Russell Wilson bit. But. That being said, I think there's probably a lot of people that are very hockey-focused and hockey-centric when it comes to their follows and likes, and maybe that wasn't something that had come across their uh, come across their feed. Um, but it certainly was well-circulated, and uh, I got a good laugh out of that. And I'll say the other thing that I think is a great sign, I'll just say for this season, we won't get carried away and talk about long-term, was after the summer that Pierre-Luc Dubois had, that he was the guy having a little fun doing that and the team putting it out there. Okay, this is the original. This is the original Russell Wilson from the Broncos production day before he uh, got going with his new team. Let's ride. Let's ride. Broncos. Let's ride. Perfect. Okay. One more time. Broncos country. Let's ride. Broncos country. Let's ride. Broncos country. Let's ride. Broncos country, let's ride. 
Broncos country. Let's ride. So there's Russ doing his thing and uh, Jets having a little bit of fun of a parody of that, kicking it out last night with Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, I'll say this, Freeman, and Dubois is a guy, I, I think there's a lot of players that can benefit from a better atmosphere around the Winnipeg Jets. And we talked a lot about, you know, what we heard. And I think so much of that was agent-driven. And, you know, some people will believe they were trying to force an early trade to the Montreal Canadiens. Others just exercising the rights as a restricted free agent. You can make your own decision on that. We won't relitigate it. But I do have to admit, I said it a number of times. I mean, considering the way the season ended, was that a great time to try to convince guys that, hey, this is where you want to be for the next eight years? A fun atmosphere, results on the ice, obviously, will go a long way to um, maybe giving the team an opportunity to revisit that with a player like Pierre-Luc Dubois. And I have to say, right off the bat, the fact that he's bought in and seemingly feeling part of the fun and a better atmosphere around the team right out the gate can be nothing but positive for a team that needs more of that around them on and especially off the ice from my perspective. Yeah, I agree with you. And yeah, the fact that it was Dubois, you know, the first one making a, you know, a, a, say an attempt at a comedic video here. Um, yeah, it was a good sign. And we've said this all summer. Like, yeah, he may not, if he, as of now, he may not want to be here long term, but you know, when he's on the ice, he's going to give it all for the team and play for, uh, you know, the crest on the jersey. So I am looking forward to seeing uh, Dubois season. Big year for him, big year for a bunch of uh, players. Uh, players on the team so I think a lot of a lot of intrigue here a lot of intrigue yeah no doubt so then they went to the uh, let's get these other uh, these other pictures up of all the players that went through that was the old first day now I, are these no you have a kid I guess he hasn't been in school yet although there's probably been like some sort of nursery graduation or something I'm sure at one point how many grads has Evan had so far through his three we... years one actually, he had one, and he had the first day of school. And on the first day of school, like you take a, we got our first day of school picture. Like they held up a sign saying twenty, uh, twenty two or whatever year it is. So here's Nikolai Ehlers. Um, you know he's got it back. He's got his little chalk, you know, mock chalkboard, backed hockey. I'm twenty six years old. I play forward. Favorite snack, chocolate. TV show. He likes Friends and Sons of Anarchy. Favorite artist? I didn't know a lot of the artists, actually. There's only a couple guys. Uh, what is it? He, Lucas Graham. I don't know who that is. This summer, travel with family. And then uh, has his hometown as well. Yeah, you can tell who the country dudes are, like the Canadian dudes. And who are the, you know, the the, the Europeans, the techno guys. Uh, Luke Combs uh, was Kyle Connor there. Who's, who's that? Do you know who that is? I realize that I'm really old. I know that. Yes, now. yes. He he's country. He's a country guy, and I think Adam. I think he was Adam Lowry's choice as well, if I'm not mistaken. I know Morgan Wallen's another country yeah, guy. That I know hit him. The, uh, they hit the list, but like uh, Big Save Dave had. I'm pretty sure a guy that I had never heard of. Probably some sort of a DJ. And I think Dubois is a uh, uh, electro electro music too. Um, he he was on a, a a DJ type. So you can tell that there'd be a big swing, a big battle of for the boom box in the room between the country guys and the techno. Music I'll give dudes. a shout out to Brandon Dillon who went with Fleetwood Mac. That was, that was pretty good. I guess he's a bit older than everyone at what was it, 30, 31. He's 31. Yeah, veteran. It's a young team, right? Um, 
That being said, it seemed like half the guys when it said what you did on the, over the course of the week of the summer Golf. was get married. Like how many guys got married? Appleton got married. Mm-hmm. Piont got married. Morrissey. Morrissey got married. Am I missing anybody else? Did Comrie get married too? He's well, not on the team, but he's not I mean, on all... the team. Yeah. R.I.P. Our beloved Eric Comrie, who's well, now starting his new path with the Buffalo Sabres. How about Toninato? He said <laughs> he attended a lot of weddings this yes. summer. That was I thought that was a good one too. Attended a lot of weddings. Although uh, PLD, man, they got PLD front center in terms of sense of humor here. Uh, where is it? They asked him what he did this summer, and this might have been one of the top responses. <laughs> the summer I traveled and commented on Nick's Instagram. Nick Lightyear is very active on Instagram. <laughs> and he would summer. still get quite a bit of comments from the fellas when they were doing that. Oh. So. Uh, you know, this is before you get to work, and we'll see what happens in the arena. If we're going to get maybe a little bit of a different look for some of the things that involve the players, uh, but and I know there's some people asking, like Joe in Winnipeg, wondering how this does. I mean, th- th- uh, this sort of thing to connect people to the players is important. And um, I, listen, I've just got to tell you, I mean, this room has been very closed off. It's sort of been the the mo of the management group since day one to really shield and guard the players from the public and. I think it's had a bit of a negative effect. And the fact of the matter is right now with technology, I mean, it's not a matter of sticking a guy out there at a table with 500 people, you know, waiting for an autograph and some difficult situations. It's utilizing the access behind the scenes to connect these players a little bit more to the fans. I mean, I said it, the team overall, there's a lot of likable guys on the team, but the team at the end of last year had such a, I don't even know how to put it. I mean, it was like there was a dark cloud around the team. No one seemed to be having very much fun, and they didn't seem like a very likable group, and they didn't seem to be connected to the fans very well. I mean, you compare that to what's happened with the football team over the last few years, what they do social media-wise, and listen, I know there's some things that the Bombers are able to do that you just simply can't do in the National Hockey League. I mean, if you've ever hung around a Bomber game after uh, the final buzzer, Um, You know, with them opening up the field to the fans and, you know, they don't advertise that the players will be out there. But after a few wins this season, I've seen basically half the team out there in a bit of an impromptu meet and greet. So, listen, the Bombers have done a lot of really positive things, but they've also done some really neat things social media wise. And um, I do have to think, especially if you're trying to connect with a new generation of fans, let's not forget this team's been here now for 11 years. That 60-year-old season ticket holder that had been, you know, through the moose days or getting on in 2011 is now into his 70s. Um, you know, they need they need this next generation of fans to to buy in, to connect with the team, um, and to be filling seats at the uh, at the Canada Life Center downtown. Um, so all of this, I applaud the efforts. Some will be great, some won't be, but let's be an NHL team and do a lot of the fun things that other teams do, and I think there will be some benefits for it. All that being said, Remo, let's talk about the way things are going to look when the Jets hit the ice tomorrow. You mentioned yesterday, right at the end of the program, we've got two groups, the Howard Chuck group and the Steen group. I like the names a lot better than the A group and the B group, but what's interesting is that unlike the Maurice era of two very, very different groups, we've seen Rick Bonus really sort of split the team amongst the two groups, getting some NHLers the chance to play and mingle with some of the younger prospects and players. 
and it should make for some pretty neat scrimmaging between the two groups when they decide to do it um, because as I said it's not essentially the Jets playing against the Moose it's a pretty neat mix of players on both sides yeah and I see people in chat already jonesing for some line combos they haven't even been on the ice but we're all trying to decipher from these teams team Howardchuck and team Steen I comb through the rosters I think you can kind of figure it out what's going on, at least with the top four forward lines. They have in one group, Connor, Shifley, and Ehlers. And also in that group, Tony Nato, Gustafson, and Sam Gagne. On the defense pairing in that group, Morrissey and DeMello. And Logan Stanley is also in that group. On Team Steen, uh, what appears to be another line, Perfetti, Dubois, Wheeler. I mean, I'm just guessing based on the way they've constructed these. And the other one, Harkins, Lowry, Appleton. And on defense, they have Dylan Pionk, uh, Nate Schmidt. And also in that group is Billy Hainala and Dylan Sandberg. So that's what, and then, you know, you have the other guys in the mix as well. Morgan Barron, I mean, in various groups, uh, Barron, Christian Reichel, uh, Kevin Stenland, who celebrated a birthday yesterday. Daku, Manalainen, Mikey Isama, Jeff Malott, uh, Alex Limoges, and then you know what happens with uh, Chaz Lucius and Brad Lambert as well. So they have kind of, um, yeah, they have split the groups here pretty much down the middle. And I, I agree, we'll make interesting a bit of a different training camp, and we'll see some, probably see some different stuff than we've seen in the past with the new coaching staff. Well, and you know what? This is a nice little segue into our why not question of the day for not AutoCorp. Uh, of course, if you're with us live on YouTube, you can answer in the chat. And if you're watching this after the fact, hit us up in the comments with your thoughts. And we're going to get to the power play, but considering we haven't seen the power play yet, let's do this. We're looking at two lines right now on the first day of camp. It's the first day of camp. Take nothing for granted. Everything can change, and in all likelihood will. But Connor, Shifley, and Ehlers are what looks like to be that top line on the Howard Chuck group. And then you've got Perfetti, Dubois, Wheeler. I think most of us agree that those are going to be the six guys within the top six, assuming that nothing changes going into game one of the season. The why not question of the day, though, for you folks, is what is the Jets' best possible line one this year? Um, is it Mark Shifley or is it Pierre-Luc Dubois at center? Are we keeping Dubois with Connor after the success that they had yesterday? Or is it the look of this line from the Howard Chuck group right out the gate with Mark Shifley, Nikolai Ehlers, and Kyle Connor playing together? Um, so why not question of the day, what would you like to see the Jets' top line be when the puck drops on the NHL season? Let us know in the comments and in the chat. And shout out to our friends at Not Autocorp at Waverly and McGilvery and online at not.ca for the why not question of the day. You know, I hadn't spent a lot of time thinking about this, Remo, until we decided to go with this today. Um, Connor Shifley Ehlers is really intriguing. I think we all know how much is needed of Mark Shifley to have a big turnaround season to play those big minutes as a number one center. And if you're able to do that, you're going to get your fair share of points with the likes of Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers. There is part of me that thinks about how, um, just how great that combination of Dubois and Connor was last year and maybe want to go back to it. But I do appreciate that Rick Bonus is looking at his personnel, A, splitting it up for, I think, some more even groups, but also 
for the opportunity to see how some different things might look. And uh, I got to tell you, looking at that Connor Shifley Ehlers line, if we get the best of Mark Shifley this year, um, that is pretty, that is a pretty intriguing combo and a line that certainly offensively can stand against most in the NHL. Yeah, I think that it seems like just the way that it's gone, they're kind of going with a stack top six, bottom six situation here. You know, we did see at times last year, Harkins get a look up top, Appleton, but maybe to start, we'd go with that, you know, stacking the top line, um, Connor and Ehlers, whether it's Shifley in there as it we think it is now based on um, the rosters for the groups or Dubois. I mean, I think that's going to be a strong line that can score, but can they get contributions from the other lines too? So, I, I mean, I see in chat, Connor starts on line, like whatever line Connor is, that is line one. He scored almost 50 goals last year, you know, top point getter on the team. You know, you'd like to see Nikolai Ehlers being given an opportunity as well. So, I mean, I think you can, you can, doesn't really matter who the center is, Shafley or Dubois. Um, you know, maybe Dubois makes sense at a time. Maybe Shafley does, but that is something that we're going to be, we're going to be watching. And, you know, we talk about young guys. I mean, Cole Perfetti's basically penciled into the top six. There's, as we've said, there's, there's nobody else, and he's going to have a big role. I don't know what Coolbet has as his over or under of points, but um, he's going to be getting a lot of opportunity this season to put some points on the board. Yeah, no doubt about it. They're going to need him to uh, hopefully stay healthy and uh, be a contributor uh, in that role for the majority of the season. Although, as I said, we'll see what happens in training camp. Great to see him back on the ice at the prospects camp. All right, we're going to get to JPVJ. Remo will be back in in a minute. Uh, we will have Murata Tesh coming up a little later on, and we'll get thoughts from Paul Edmonds, voice of the Jets as well. Uh, but just before we do that, a big shout out to the gang down at Consolidated Supply. Great listeners and supporters of Winnipeg Sports Talk and our newest sponsor here on the program. Um, the guys at Consolidated Supply have been the go-to people for golf carts as the club car dealer dealing with golf courses around the province, but also with Manitobans making their lawns look beautiful with their DIY irrigation solutions as well as artificial turf uh, solutions for your property. If you want that dream putting green in your backyard, head on down there and see our longtime listener and pal Joe at the branch. Or you can also talk to them about some really neat setups out at your cabin to make uh, for Wi-Fi enabled controllers to check in on your lawn to make sure it's getting everything that you need. And in addition to that, when you're working on your dream backyard or envisioning it for next year, talk to the guys at Consolidated Supply about hot tubs as well as outdoor kitchens, incredible barbecues and setups. Find out more online at cte.ca or pop down and see the gang Consolidated Supply at 1395 Niagara Road East here in Winnipeg. Uh, the gang of Vita Health is busy heading into the fall. And if you want great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, shop at one of seven Vita Health Fresh Market stores or their fully shoppable website online at myvita.ca. Back to School is here. You can stop by any Vita Health store for great school-friendly snacks and lunch items as well as great immunity products like vitamin C and D. And of course, you can also get delicious lunch options, healthy and delicious Vitamarket salads, soups, sandwiches, and more. And don't forget that especially tasty falafel salad. 
Uh, Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and online at myvita.ca. And of course, our friends at Wallace and Wallace are busy, busy. I know they've worked and done work on a number of uh, our friends' garages, including Michael Remus. And hey, if you're in the market for a new garage door, Wallace and Wallace has you covered. They're not just a fencing specialist. They also work with Clopay, the largest garage door manufacturer in the world, with 161 styles of garage doors to choose from. There's definitely a style that's right for your home, and a new garage door can add up to 4% to the value of your home. Uh, despite supply chain issues, you can still get a beautiful new garage door delivered and installed within four weeks, just in time for back to school. Find out more at wallacedoors.com. Give them a call, or better yet, pop down and see the experts at Wallace in person at their showroom down on Lawson Road. And a big cheers to our friends at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, finishing up another ex incredible summer. We were down there, just saw Connor Hellebuck and Cole Perfetti there as part of the True North charity trip. Uh, if you're thinking about a world-class fly-in fishing getaway in Manitoba where you can be on the water in less than two hours, Aikens is the spot. And as great as the fishing is, it's only surpassed by the incredible hospitality and the people at Aikens Lake run by our good friend, Pitt Turen. AikensLake.com and online at Aikens Lake on all the social media channels. All right, let's get back to the Jets. It's been a minute since we've had JP VJ on the program. The coach joins us now. Vij, what's up? How was your summer? It was quick. <laughs> Late spring, like everyone, and back on the ice in a hurry. So it, it was quick. Uh, life moves on, and you get older by a few months. How uh, how busy has it been for the VJ Hockey Academy the last little while? When do you guys get going? I mean, you're at it in August a little bit, or is that more sort of wait till Labor Day and then everything gets going like the seasons? Uh, you really want the truth. We really didn't stop this year. We went right through the summer. Uh, we were starting early July. We went right away. Uh, people were hungry. We had some groups uh, from the NCAA all the way down to Midget. We went all summer working our way down, and now we're heading out to rural areas. We are going through Notre Dame de Lot next week, Treehearn the following week, and then we start all our association work through the city uh, starting the second week of October. Well, busy time for you guys, and well, it's a busy time for the Winnipeg Jets. The training camp begins tomorrow. Um, We'll get to what did and didn't happen with the club over the year, but I have to ask you your reaction to uh, the news from Friday um, when we heard from Rick Bonus that they were going with a different leadership group going forward, and then Blake Wheeler spoke to the fact that for the first time in years, he will not be wearing the C for the Winnipeg Jets. What did you think about the decision and the way they got in front of it and what you heard from both Bonus and Wheeler? Well, I, I think, first of all, I think Blake Wheeler handled it very well. I'd like to say it's never happened to me, but I've had that situation happen. Actually, for us, it happened mid-year. Uh, we were rotating captains uh, between me and another player. Uh, coach got fired. New coach came in and said, I don't like a two-man system. You're the guy out, and away you go, right? So to be honest, it hurts the ego. I've been there. You know, you're, you're the captain. You've been looked to, to to be a leader, to do the, the dirty work and continue. I think it's something everyone takes pride in, and Blake Wheeler handled it exceptionally well. Now I think what Rick Bonus is doing is putting the whole Winnipeg Jets team on alert. We just took away the captaincy from arguably the leader of the group. Who's next? Who now we have taken a blow to the captain, not a physical blow, but now we can take ice time away from anybody, right? If you don't earn it, you're not going to get it, I believe, is the message sent to the team. 
How important is that for a guy that comes, even with all the experience, to come into a group that, for the most part, has most of the personnel from a team that, by almost any standard, as opposed to most expectations, underachieved last year? Yeah, I think it's very important, and it's quite sneaky how they've gone about it, right? Because the question that's coming in, what is Rick Bonus going to change to make the biggest impact for the Winnipeg Jets organization? Well, here's the first dart that he has thrown out, right? The season hasn't begun. He has thrown out a dart and said, every player on this team is on onus. We can take the captaincy away from arguably the leader of the group. Now I can do whatever I want to any other player if you don't perform. If you don't play, I can cut your ice time and you can't complain because Blake Wheeler stood there and said, I understand. You may not agree with it. I understand. But if this is what they feel is best for the Jets, I will do it. So I think now if it's Mark Shifley, if it's Adam Lowry, if it's Neil Pionk, if it's Connor Hellebuck, everyone's on, oh, that can happen to him. He's our seasoned veteran. What can happen to me if I don't perform? Uh, there's also, I think, a sense that this was definitely necessary to happen. And as much as making an example out of Wheeler, and I think in some ways that sort of has been the case, and I'm not sure it's entirely fair to make him the entire scapegoat for issues in the locker room, you take a big part of the responsibility when you're the captain. And from all accounts, I, listen, I certainly think that this is a positive move going forward. Do you agree? And knowing what it's like inside a dressing room, especially going through a disappointing season like the Winnipeg Jets had, what do you think the positives to come out of this right from the get-go of camp with the new atmosphere under the new head coach? Well, and that's the question. I can see it going a couple ways where some of the younger guys go, have to have a, a de facto to Blake Wheeler now. Yes, he is a leader. He is a veteran. I do have to respect him. He's still a great player. But the leadership core can now grow maybe into a different direction. And that's maybe what Rick Bonus is looking is to have some of the younger guys come in and feel more part of the team and take more ownership as opposed to it always being Blake Wheeler at the front, looting the flag and getting chopped down by every media person or everyone in Winnipeg when things aren't going right. So I think that relieves some of the pressure from Blake Wheeler. He can go play, and they're looking for the team to grow into men, right? It's kind of been a de facto. Blake Wheeler's team, he's got it. He's going to take care of that. He'll talk to the media. He'll do this. He'll do that. Blake Wheeler won't have to do that now. He can focus on Blake Wheeler's game, and maybe it gives him a little jump and a step because he's not so overwhelmed or taken back by all the extra work to do. He can focus on his game, and maybe we see a – a more reinvigorated, a, a quicker Blake Wheeler, because you know he's going to bring the effort, right? That, well, that's unquestionable. He's going to work like a horse. Yeah. He has I, 5% more. Well, for sure, Vij. And, and here's the thing. I mean, Blake's an incredibly proud guy, and he, like you mentioned, I think was pretty honest that, you know, it was a surprise to him. He wasn't expecting it, and I think there was – it took him some time to – accept it, I guess, and be ready to speak to it. And I think that's part of the reason why they did it a few days in advance of camp so that hopefully this isn't a story. But, I mean, you've been in a lot of rooms. and You mentioned this happened to you before. As a veteran guy with a team that's younger, that's got a new core, that will really sort of be the focus, um, where does this leave Blake Wheeler? And how important, like to me, I think this can go one of two ways. I am with you, and I certainly sincerely hope that this is something that he can buy in and almost feel liberated and can bring the best out of him and focus all of his energies on doing whatever he can when he's on the ice for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, I guess we have to acknowledge the fact that if this is very problematic for Blake, um, you know, there could be some issues with him personally. 
um, which we don't hope happens. But, you know, how is this going to affect him right now? How weird will it be for the first few days of camp not being the guy that the coach for the last 10 years has tapped on the shoulder to be the culture carrier? Well, I, I think it, it's going to be a refresher, to be honest. He doesn't have to worry about all the rules, all the things that he has to worry about, organize the guys. He can worry about his game, play his style, and then really focus on him. He's still going to be a leader. He's still going to talk to all the young guys. He's still going to do all those things. So I think that, to me, we're going to see an almost identical Blake Wheeler. The only thing that we won't see is as much of him in the media because he won't have to do that. That is not going to be as much thrown on his shoulders now. So to me, it's a scenario where he can continue to grow. And if it doesn't work, right, if he has trouble with this, I think you look at Kevin Sheveldayoff to see if there is a change willing to happen, right? Maybe the fit no longer fits and Blake Wheeler wants out. I don't see it happening. I think everything points to him wanting to be here, but the proof will be in the pudding when we start to play uh, just after the first week of October. Yeah, no, it's a good point. And and listen, he spoke to the fact that, you know, they talked about it in the off season and there were some trade discussions, um, but it didn't materialize. I still, uh, my, and this was just my perspective from listening to him, um, you know, considering the change and considering where they were in the summer, I'm not sure a lot has really changed other than the fact that he's no longer the captain. And if there was a trade out there to be made, I don't think that he'd be going kicking and screaming. That being said, um, I think what the summer has shown us that it's not easy to get any sort of value for a player at that age at that amount of money being owed. And I think it's important for all parties involved to make the best of this situation and Certainly, he can be part of the change going forward. Um, Vige, what about Mark Shifley? I mean, the Shifley we heard at the end of the year was one that seemed withdrawn, somewhat sullen, questioning his future. And then he comes in for the golf tournament a month ago, sits down with Sarah Orleski, and sounded like the guy that we remembered being so excited about playing hockey, being an NHLer. Um, he, he sounded and said all the right things. Uh, but what do you make of Shifley's p- situation going into this year? And does anything change for Shifley with the fact that Blake Wheeler's no longer wearing the captaincy? Well, I, I think uh, the proof will be in the pudding. I, I think to me, Mark Shifley said a lot of things at the end of last year. The one word we don't really hear much was maybe embarrassed. He did not like his season. He didn't like the way his team performed. So I think that embarrassment may lead to emotions coming out and things being taken out of context or said a little bit quickly or a little bit harshly. And I think with some time to reflect, decompress and, and get away from the game and come back, knowing that, you know, he's going to have to have a good year. I believe his contract is up in a year or two. Mark Shifley's going to look to cash in. He's a good player. He's going to look to, you know, bank on himself and show that he can be the, you know, 80 to 100 point guy that the Winnipeg Jets expect him to be while holding that defensive game. And I think that's, the onus. Now, Blake Wheeler losing the captaincy, we always heard that those two were yin and yang in the dressing room. Does that make it more even? And maybe Mark Shifley gets a chance to be a bigger leader? Or does that help Mark Shifley, you know, deflect some of the pressure and he can just focus on playing his game? Uh, so I think it'll be interesting to see. I think we're going to see a determined Mark Shifley. Contract's coming up soon, I believe. That's always important for any player coming <laughs> through, right? And, and a little bit embarrassed of last year. So I, I think that we're going to see a spark Mark Shifley. And I think it'll be interesting to see how Rick holds the lineup. Now, we've been talking about changes. Is 
Nikolai Ehler is going to get extra minutes. You know, with Paul Maurice holding him back, yada, yada, yada. Uh, you know, can Josh Morrissey play 45 minutes a night, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. Well, what's going to happen? Here's a clean slate for everyone. Does Nikolai Ehlers get on the first power play? That's the question to you, Huss. Well, the, uh, my answer is in un, unequivocal, all caps, yes. And I think <laughs> it's long overdue. And I think it makes a lot of sense to get, you know, a guy that's a difference maker like Ehlers more opportunity to make it. Here's interesting, and maybe you can speak to this from your NHL camps. I mean, we're so used to the way Maurice has done things here for the last, you know, nine years or whatever. Um, you know, it was always one group that was essentially the NHL team. And then yeah. the other group in training camp was basically the moose. And you might have, you know, a Logan Stanley or one of these tweeners that, you know, might get an opportunity with the A group. They might be with the B group. Rick Bonus has really separated the groups. And I mean, you've got a pretty even balance between the two. What do you make what do you make of that decision? And 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 how is it different in an NHL camp if everything's loaded up with basically the team already put together, or what certainly from the outside looks to be a little bit more even competition between the two groups with not as much assumed going into camp? Well, and that's the the, the question is what is assumed? To me now. Earn your playing time is basically what I think he's saying, right? When we have the the A team and the B team, the Moose and the Jets kind of formed, well, everyone kind of gets comfortable. Unless it's preseason, we're not really going to have to push. You know, I don't have to earn a whole lot because obviously I'm here, or I'm close to here. You know, besides the, the few bubble guys that everyone knows, the Logan Stanley, the Gustafsons, now it's a carte blanche. He has thrown, you know, almost even numbers on both sides and says, go get them. I want to see you guys compete. Earn your ice time because it's probably going to start from practice one, right? And I didn't get to go to practice today, but apparently the sources said he had their attention pretty quick because it was buzzing right off the start. Well, we like to hear that. JP Vijay is with us. Uh, you know, one of the other things that was interesting just with the way that they split these lines up in the groups is that Connor Shifley and Ehlers are in the one group and you've got Perfetti Dubois and Wheeler in the other. And we've been speculating on how like, you know, why not question of the day today, Vige, was, you know, what's the Jets' best option at line one? And, you know, you're going up against the top lines. I mean, you want to play your top players as much as possible and give the opportunity to help the team. Is Shifley, Connor, and Ehlers the line that you think we'll see Rick Bonus throw it first over the boards when things get going? And does that make sense to you? Dubois and Connor were very successful together last year. We can't overlook that. Yeah, it's very interesting. But I also like the fact that big Wheeler, big Dubois, slender Perfetti, a little bit of protection for the young guy to give him a chance while really having that one A line, right? Like Blake Wheeler still has miles in him. Here, Luke Dubois can play a full game. Um, I think Cole Perfetti still learning the ropes, the intangibles of the game, but could be guided by a Blake Wheeler and let the first line roll. This is a chance for Nikolai Ehlers. Uh, you know, the question is out there. Paul Maurice had sheltered him for years or held him back for years. Is this his opportunity? Or was Paul Maurice actually doing the right things and holding back Nikolai Ehlers, kind of the second unit, to allow him to get to those 60 points a year? Or can he get to 80 or 100? Or if 60 is max and he was in a perfect, comfortable spot there, I guess the proof would be in the pudding, and I'll tell you at Christmas time. <laughs> if everyone stays healthy. <laughs> JP Vijay is with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, looking ahead to the official start of training camp tomorrow for the Winnipeg Jets after medicals and uh, production days the last couple of days. Um, 
Vijay, I want to ask you back to the coaching because, I mean, I think so much because of the lack of player movement this year is really falling on the shoulders of Rick Bonus to come in, create a culture change, and get far more out of the group than we saw last season. I, I've been thinking a lot about some of the things that Maurice said during his times here, and it, of course, relates to the captaincy. Um, he mentioned that he basically almost never goes in that room. He said, you know, it's their room, and he's sort of, you know, Blake Wheeler was his guy, his captain. Blake runs the room. I'm in the coach's room, and there seemed to be a major separation. Mark Shifley, just, you know, a couple weeks ago, or I guess last week, talking with Elliot Friedman, was talking about getting a phone call on the golf course in the middle of the summer from Rick Bonus, asking him how he's doing, what's going on, really kind of connecting him on a personal level. And he, as an aside, said, that's the first time I've ever had that happen to me in my career. And some people took that as a shot against Maurice. You can judge for yourself. But I do wonder, for the way things had been running under Paul Maurice, by his own words, basically being pretty detached from the actual player group, how much can Rick Bonus being involved more being in constant communication with the players, how much of a change, how much of a factor can he be to improve a dressing room? We might not say a complete turnaround, but get a better atmosphere around those players and help them enjoy maybe coming to the rink more than it was pretty clear. I think a lot of guys weren't having a lot of fun last year when they were losing a lot. Well, let's get clear first. Winning creates fun. Every one of those guys is competitive. Winning creates fun, right? Losing sucks. That's pretty much as nicely as you can put it. I think what it can do is, you know, make sure that the group stays on track. You know, it's great when your team's going well and the captain's in front and he can control that and he helps that. It's when things get down that it becomes very difficult. And I think the coach has to step in a little bit more than they're used to. And I think Rick Bonus is not a control freak, but he's going to guide the younger players into taking more ownership and allow them to be more comfortable and more vocal in the dressing room not allow the three-game skid to be a five or six or to allow a bad period leading to two or three or four periods. I think that's where that comes in. And I think that – I don't think Paul Maurice wasn't not doing it, but maybe he felt comfortable with what he had in the dressing room. And Rick Bonus has said just the other day, look, I don't even know what I have in this dressing room. I've had conversations with the guy, but I don't know what their habits are in the dressing room, their practice habits, what they like to eat for breakfast, and so on and so on. So he doesn't know the core yet, and I think – over the next, I think, 22 days of training camp, he's going to have to learn to figure out what makes every player tick, what makes Connor Hellebuck go, how he likes his rotation versus how Josh Morrissey likes to do things and, and so on and so on. So I think that learning period, it's going to take all of those 20-some days plus part of the regular season just to get going because that's hockey. There's no way through the summer he can have a conversation with each guy and go, I know what this guy is like. I know what he needs. Even through the video, you know, he's watching video of the guys play last year. But what's the habits? He wasn't going well. So is that is that player A? Or is that same player at A minus? Or is he on a C? How do I get more out of those guys? And so on and so on. So I think you're going to see a lot of juggling come preseason because he needs to see a lot of different situations and see a lot of things uh, evolve. Vij, uh, I'm interested in tapping into your uh, vast playing experience. Um, you know, for all the coaches that you've played, how different was some of the styles? I mean, were there some guys that weren't around very much, sort of what we believe was the case with the Jets, where, you know, they'd be out there and practice for a little bit. The assistants would be doing a lot. They'd come in, talk with the coaches 
or the players before the game and then be out. And maybe on the other side of things, guys were far more involved in the dressing room and with the players as opposed to uh, uh, the first example. Well, I've had both extremes where, you know, we have the coach not around much. The assistant coaches are kind of doing the talking and the head coach is kind of in the background listening to that information being relayed to him. Uh, and then I've had the, the other side where the head coach is doing all the meetings because he wants to know and he's super heavily involved. I think it depends on your team. I think it depends on the direction you see your guys going. Uh, I've had both scenarios work. Like when we were in the Chicago Wolves, we had a veteran team. John Anderson did not sit in the dressing room all day. Uh, the assistant coaches would come in, have a conversation with a few guys, the, uh, the, the captain and stuff. Bam, we'd have our meeting, hit the ice, and away we go. And we were a very successful group. In Atlanta, we had Bob Hartley, got to the playoffs with him. Uh, he was a little more self-involved, stayed on the ice after practice, worked with the guys. You know, So I, I think both scenarios work. I think you just have to have a pulse of your team. And maybe one of Paul Maurice's defaults was that he didn't get more involved at the right time. I don't know. I'm not in the dressing room. We're hearing a lot of hearsay. You'll never really know what happened because not one player is going to tell you exactly how it was because that's none of our business. Yeah, well, and it, honestly, it doesn't really matter other than if it was problematic that the new guy has a grip on it and changes what needs to be changed. If Keith changes, Moon show gets for. the most out of what's happening with the, with this team going forward. Um, Fiji, one of the weird things, uh, well, I guess from my perspective, is that you know there was no movement on the blue line. Um, and we have five established NHL defensemen with, contracts that um, go beyond this year. You've got Logan Stanley, who's been in the National Hockey League for the last couple of years. You've got Dylan Sandberg and Vili Hainala, two very talented younger players that seem to be ready for prime time. And a player in Johnny Kovacevic that I think has proven that he can be a depth defenseman in the NHL that's no longer exempt from waivers. Um, what do you make of the uh, all the bodies, potentially, that could play on the Jet Blue Line and how the team you know, maneuvers through this going to game one of the regular season. And what does that do for camp? Well, I think there's some competition in camp uh, for sure. I think one is someone's going to have to earn a spot, but I think that the trade market was very quiet. A couple big blockbusters. Other than that, we didn't see a lot of movement on a lot of teams, right? Some free agent signings. The Jets did not have a lot of cap space to work with. So they limited their ability to sign guys. So to me, you kind of knew uh, unless it was a big trade, nothing was really going to happen here. Now, going forward, I think there's always this, just before the season begins, there's going to be a window of about seven days where some teams have to get cap compliant and some teams have too many of certain players. So I think this is where maybe Kevin Dayoff can wiggle and go, you want a D, I want a Ford, let's switch, right? Kind of trade. I think holding on to the cards, and we all know Kevin Dayoff is very patient. He doesn't pull the trigger unless he's 100% sure that's in his best interest. Uh, sometimes that's good. Sometimes, I guess, we'll see if it works out. But I still think it takes a player more than a year to get comfortable. Not often do you see a trade where both teams hit a home run and those players you know, adapt to the system, put up the points, or put up the defensive structure within the first year. That usually takes a year or two to be able to play without thinking. Now, all the D-men, again, are going to have to play with thinking because from what I'm hearing, it's a whole new system coming in, right? So now how long does it take all those guys to revamp their thought process because 
a guy like Josh Morrissey, who's basically only known Paul Maurice, he was playing second nature. Now Rick Bonus comes in and says, no, I want you to do this, this, and this instead. Well, that's going to take some time and some, some practice, some games, some execution, some errors to go through and learn those steps again. So there's a whole process of learning for the decor, for the goalies, right? Is, is Rick Bonus going to ask Connor Hellebuck to just stay in the net? Does he want him to play every puck like Marty Bruder? Uh, to be determined. I'm pretty sure we both have our opinion on that. So. <laughs> <laughs> right? but also, yes. you know, the forward tendencies, it sounds like they're going to be more aggressive. So now they're going to play more of a 2-3 and really pinch the D down the wall and make sure everything rolls and you know be super aggressive, which doesn't allow them to have to play defense in their zone because everyone complained the Jets' defensive zone structure is terrible. But I keep telling people, it's how you play in the offensive zone that leads to how you play in the defensive zone. And I think that's what they're going to start to change. That just, just expand on that a little bit more, because I think for people that don't understand the systems, I mean, what, what, what is it that Rick bonus is looking to see in the offensive zone and potentially in the neutral zone as well, that can, you know, alleviate some of the issues that have plagued them when they're chasing the puck behind their own blue line. Yeah. And then, I haven't been in the coach's meeting, so I don't have the, the exact uh, things he's looking for yet. It's going to take a couple of games to see. But I think that we would talk about reloading, uh, how responsible F3 is going to be at certain situations, and how aggressive the D are going to be on pinching. I think those will be the keys. At times, we saw the Winnipeg Jets not reload and be slow getting back to those spots. If the Winnipeg Jets are going to be successfully aggressive defending, I think reloading and being in good position is very important. That doesn't just mean the guy chasing the puck. It also means the guys away from the puck working at getting into those spots. And I think, I'm assuming, I haven't seen, I'm actually thinking how the uh, Dallas Stars played a few years ago and kind of tweaking that because it's really, he was the coach there and looking at that. That's what I'm kind of basing my thoughts on. But noticing that reloading and getting those players in the right positions when attacking is going to be very important. Vij, this was uh, this was awesome. It's been too long since we've talked, but we haven't had a lot to talk about, but hopefully we can do this a lot more often now that the season's getting underway. Hey, just before you go, fill people in on uh, where they can find more about what you're doing with the VJ Hockey Academy all around the province. Yeah, so VJHockey.com is our website. Instagram is, I believe, VJ Hockey. Uh, we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on a lot. I don't do a lot of... Uh, Twitter stuff. I leave that for Hustler and his companies. I, I do more of my stuff on the ice. You're a TikTok guy, fun. right? You're a TikTok yeah, guy. You've been doing yeah. a bunch of accoriated dances on the ice, JP. Thick dance moves, man. You should come see it. I'll probably <laughs> blow my leg out again if I do something. <laughs> Thanks a lot. But we definitely have fun and you can reach out to us and uh, we're always willing to help anyone looking to get better at hockey. Even just having a good laugh sometimes. Huh? VJ Hockey, there it is. Uh, VJ, uh, this was great. Uh, let's do this again soon. All the best to you and your family and uh, all the Thanks, young man. players that you're guiding to new heights on the uh, on the ice. Thanks a lot, Huss. We'll talk soon. Right on. There is our guy, JP VJ. That was a great conversation. Uh, we're going to have another one coming up with Marana Tesh of The Athletic. Before we do that, again, your thoughts on the why not question of the day. Hit us in the comments. What would you like to see the Jets' number one line look like when the puck drops on game one of the NHL regular season? Of course, not Autocorp, great sponsor of ours since day number one. And folks, if you are thinking about a new vehicle or an upgrade from your current whip, 
nowhere else to go to start your search than not Autocorp at Waverly and McGilvery. The not experts will first of all take you through an incredible array of vehicles on the lot and in the showroom. Uh, but if there's a particular make and model that you've got your heart set on, the experts at Knott will get it to Winnipeg and get you into it at an incredible deal. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Knott team and check out all the Tesla and electric vehicles they've got on the lot as well and their Tesla experience program to fill you in on everything involved in switching from traditional to electric. Knott Auto Corps at Waverly and McGilvery. Find out more online at knott.ca along with the Winnipeg Car Lab, now doing great things over at Knott as well. Uh, well, hey, with the season coming up, a few new players, a few new numbers, and hopefully a great new season just around the corner. If you want to get ready for Jets season, Royal Sports is the place to do it. Thousands of pieces of Winnipeg Jets merchandise, but much more than just Jets. you got Bombers back-to-back -back year, new Bomber third jerseys as well, not to mention all 32 teams represented in the National Football League. Now the season's underway. NBA, Blue Jays and Major League Baseball, international soccer and more. And of course, with hockey now getting going, Royal Sports has been the hockey superstar for over 35 years with an incredible inventory of skates, sticks, goalie equipment, and more. Whatever you need, Royal's got it. Head on down to Royal at 750 Pemina Highway and give them a follow on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina. Um, the suits are going to have to come out soon. Special suit show coming up on Winnipeg Sports Talk and certainly maybe even an appearance in the press box at some point this season. That remains to be seen. That being said, I am good to go because I have the new suit from F Apparel, as does Michael Remus, and the entire process was incredible. Went down and met with Andrew and his staff, got a chance to pick out the colors, the style, the material that I wanted, measured me up, and a few weeks later, I had a great new suit to wear to a wedding and throughout the year. Guys, everyone needs at least one suit that fits. It looks great. And F's custom suits begin at just $400. So get on down to F Apparel. Find out more online at F, that's E-P-H, apparel.com, and make sure to ask the guys about a special. If you're in a wedding party or getting married yourself, get all the fellas suited up at F and get 15% off all of your purchases from F Apparel. And hey, a big shout out to Breezy Bend. Great year with our friends at Breezy. We've done our golf reports all season long. A big shout out and congratulations to both Corey Connors and Taylor Pendrith for making the President's Cup team. They'll tee it off at Quail Hollow tomorrow. Huge underdogs in the event, but we will be following it. And I did touch on that on today's Lock Shop along with our CFL picks. Uh, find out more at Breezy Bend about making it your family's home at one of Winnipeg's top private courses at breezybend.ca. All right, let's continue our Jets mega training camp preview or whatever Remo's called it uh, with our visit with Murat Atesh as we get ready for the Jets officially on the ice tomorrow. Murat, how are you, my friend? It's great to have you back on the program. Great to be back. Very excited to be back. I was uh, I watched JP. He is such a good guest. Every time I've ever heard him talk hockey, there's always something to be learned. Um, I'm also a big F apparel supporter as well. You do well with your sponsorships. That's uh, that's for Oh well, yeah. Anyway, all of this, I'm excited. We got hockey on the ice tomorrow, and then let's go. Let's go. Well, listen, before we get to tomorrow, um, we can't not get to Friday that just passed because, of course, we were speaking, uh, I believe it was probably Wednesday of last week. It was great to have you back. We talked about some of the storylines going into training camp. This was something I think we all thought was possible, but I'll be honest, I saw that release by Jets PR on Friday morning, and 
even though I think it's probably the right thing for this team to do and makes a lot of sense, it still was somewhat surprising to see it and just think of Blake Wheeler not being the captain for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, your thought, what was your first reaction when you saw the PR release that the Jets would be going in a different uh, direction for the leadership group? And then, of course, what we heard from Rick Bonus and Blake Wheeler at the Iceplex as it was announced well in advance of training camp. Yeah, my first thought was uh, like, oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> that's my honest uh, That's my honest reflection. And what I mean by that is just um, change takes effort. Change takes energy. And it is a massive move, whether we speculated about it or not, and, and we certainly did. Um, that is a massive move that changes sort of the dynamics of the team going forward. And it would have been easy for any coach to just run it back identically without going through that. You know, there's going to be some friction and some movement. So that was my first reaction. My second one was actually to reflect on the conversation that we had, Hus, because that was Friday morning. Our conversation was Wednesday afternoon. And I remember one of the things I said was, well, you know what? Rick Bonus kind of does have the opportunity to run without a captain if need be. And that was something that we talked about on that show a week ago. So we've had some chance to, to sort of think about what it would be like. I think in the end, you know, some of the things are known. We know that Winnipeg tried to trade Blake Wheeler. I believe that you know, and Blake Wheeler certainly acknowledged this as well. This is a situation where both of the guys or both parties, Wheeler and the team, seem to be ready to move on from each other if there was a right fit. That doesn't work. Um, certainly, you're not going to embarrass the guy by trading him for uh, for pennies on the dollar, future considerations. And you're not going to hurt the team by trading a capable, probably second-line quality right wing right now for, for nothing. So then my last reaction is this is going to be a little bit awkward. Us. I, I think that you can really believe in the choice and, and agree with it and all those sorts of things. And I still think that it's going to be an awkward transition for the group. Well, I keep going back to something that you said a few months ago. And it is a line that has resonated with me. And we've talked about it before uh, ourselves. And I brought it up with other individuals is that where, regardless of how this change happens, where does that leave Blake? And you've said on a number of occasions, this could potentially lead him, leave him somewhat on an island in that group. I mean, as a guy that has been the leader for so long under a different management or different coaching staff, now coming in, basically being put at the same level as everybody else, um, obviously with less time left in his career. Yeah. To me, how Blake Wheeler handles this, and I, and I listen, he's a very proud guy. This is going to be incredible. It'll be one of the biggest challenges of his career. Um, but I think there's both the opportunity for this to be liberating and honestly something that I think could end up being a real positive for him. But we also have to acknowledge the possibility that maybe it doesn't go so smoothly. I mean, now that we are here going into camp tomorrow, what do you make of Blake's situation and and what is on his shoulders as to how he handles it and the effect that that has on this hockey club that's really trying to change the atmosphere and change the identity maybe of the culture of the locker room? This is why I love you, Huss, is because we can look at things from both sides. They're in three dimensions. This is not universally perfect and it's not universally flawed as a situation. There's opportunity in it as well. Um, I think that there was going to be a little bit of 
on Blake Wheeler as an island, regardless of the captaincy situation, just by virtue of the of the team structure. When you lose Paul Stastny, who you know was was close to Wheeler for a lot of years, they played overseas together. Wheeler was obviously a big you know endorser of Stastny coming to the Jets not once but twice. Uh, there's a lot there um, that I think that losing him was always going to put Wheeler on a bit of a generational island. Now. You know, we should ask the Jets what they feel about that. I asked Rick Bonus, is he going to be that? And Rick Bonus gives a you know a flat no. Of course not. Blake Wheeler is going to be a big part of the team. I still think that that's a little bit of there is a little bit of change generationally there. To add to that, the removal of the captaincy, you you put Blake Wheeler in a in a tough spot to be sure. Um, he's not a wallflower. He's not the sort of person that's going to, you know, go quietly in this situation. He's not going to bite his tongue on the various opinions that he has. And he is from a previous generation, a little bit more of an older school way of treating people and all of those sorts of things. Uh, so that, I think that's where some of the opportunity maybe comes from, or the challenge comes from is that, you know, in addition to being a strong personality and, and all of those sorts of ways that I think that we've all come to understand about Blake Wheeler, he is an emotionally intelligent guy. And this is a this is a tough spot. Um, to what degree will he find, I guess, the humility necessary or what will that transition look like? Uh, will there be situations where he's willing to just, you know, set his own views aside? And maybe, you know, this is, you know, just throwing by way of example, uh, just uh, pulling names. But Kyle Connor said this, or Josh Morrissey said that. Let's go with that as opposed to the thing that that I said or what have you. That's tough. And the reason that I think it's tough is just think of any longstanding relationship. And I'll use, you know, the most simple one I can think of, like my parents. The arguments that you have with your parents are the same you know them you have a deep memory of them you're by the time you're an adult your parent can just say half a word and you're already thinking oh yeah she's going to say this or they're going to go down this direction well Blake Wheeler's been a, a jet for more than a decade at this stage and if there are conflicts or if there's a generational gap or if there's anything that necessitates removing that letter well all of these same guys you know the the guys who I expect to wear A's like Mark Shifley Josh Morrissey Adam Lowry perhaps Kyle Connor Nikolai Ehlers all those conversations have happened. So you don't remove the disagreements by removing that letter. It's going to be an interesting transition. I think the personalities are intelligent enough to navigate it, but it's not easy for anybody. And then we can't forget that there has to have been some difficulty on this front to get to this situation in the first place. So it's not going to be easy is my is my. Uh, two cents on that. No, listen, I, I I agree wholeheartedly with that. And you mentioned the word humility. And I think this is a challenge in humility that will that, that it will end up being maybe the opportunity for the biggest show of leadership that Blake Wheeler could possibly have, which would be buying into this, accepting that certainly the people in power believe that this is in the best interest of the team. And at that point, it maybe can become liberating. And I'll tell you what, if he can come in and be that guy and be a great teammate, continue setting the example with the way that he works every day and fit into a different culture within that dressing room, I think it would be an example that would be almost inspiring to some players, even if they were maybe adversarial at times on the way things had been done in the past. And and that, to me, would be the best possible result of all of this for the Winnipeg Jets. Well, yeah, three things on that. One, 
Blake Wheeler told me a couple of years ago in a one-on-one that that's how he envisions the back nine of his career. He wants to be somebody who can accept a lesser role in a situation where it helps the team. That is so much easier said than done. I mean, the guy had just scored 91 points in back-to-back seasons when he was saying that. But at this stage of his career, we've had a little bit of a, a gentle decline, not a complete falling off in terms of his performance. And maybe with all of this, the captaincy being removed, well, maybe this is a, this is the opportunity, not maybe, to demonstrate exactly what he said that he hoped that he would do. So that's first and foremost. Um, the second thing is, don't forget in all of this that Blake Wheeler, despite you know, at $8.25 million being a difficult trade situation is a good hockey player and continues to be an NHL uh, player of some impact. If you look strictly at five-on-five point production, this is something that, you know, at his peak, he was one of the best players on the planet, top five, top 10, depending on the year. You know, at this stage of his career, his numbers are still second-line caliber at five-on-five. His power play production is still solid. And in terms of offense, he is still there. You know, might, you might expect a modest step back from what he did last year, but I think it was 60 points in 65 games. The guy can still produce. So we're not talking about somebody whose role is automatically some kind of fourth-line plus power play situation. And I think it is easier for a person to accept a new role or a new situation like that where he can continue to believe his voice has some weight. He's not a press box player. He has, uh, you know, the opportunity to help the team and to contribute. And if he buys in, just like you said, point number three is I think anybody, any of us on any team, when we see somebody from whatever their role or context is doing everything in their power to make this thing work, even if it's different or difficult, um, I think that moves everybody. So if if there is an element of success, you can imagine people buying into it. Uh, I keep saying it's not easy, but you could see it happening. Um, that being said, I mean, through all of this, Wheeler's the center point. He's the guy that has doesn't have the C anymore. Um, and I'm not sure that it was all just Blake Wheeler. And I'm certainly, I will make the argument that there was much more to it than just the guy that wears number 26. And I don't think this in a vacuum changes everything um who does this who are the guys that this decision may affect the most give the opportunity and and what's the i guess the we've talked about the wheeler part of this for everybody else what does this do and what what's the best case scenario for rick bonus having made this decision and what he sees from some of his other young key core players moving forward well the person who probably has the biggest impact on the entire team in terms of how he approaches the season is Mark Shifley Boom. to me. And, you know, he, you know, has maintained, you know, the, all the stories that you hear, you know, these, you know, can't quite quote, can't quite say you, it's not exactly perfectly sourced situations, but you sort of kind of believe about Mark Shifley or that he's exactly the nice guy that, you know, people are, are trying to project him as. I don't, I don't have any qualms with, uh, the role that he might have uh, in 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 that room or in that situation right now uh, moving forward. But I do think that we can point at a couple of difficult situations in, in the last couple of seasons and say that he didn't necessarily respond to them in the best way. And, you know, I think that his... Uh, his commitment to defense last season where it looked like he wasn't reloading to to talk uh, in JPVJ's terms 
or he was playing above the puck. The commitment to defense wasn't there. There were flybys. It looked so disengaged that that wasn't necessarily an attitude that you'd want or an on-ice disposition that you'd want from anybody, let alone, you know, your most important player in a lot of ways. So I think that the, the range of possibilities for Shifley are enormous this season. The Jets are running it back with him and Pierre-Luc Dubois. If both of them have sensational seasons, this could be a playoff team. But you need both at their best 82 games. Shifley wasn't there, and he didn't respond to the difficulties of last season by just playing his very best version of hockey. And I think that he has acknowledged that in that interview with Sarah Orleski. He said that it wasn't always his best season. So if you paid attention to that interview, to Mark Shifley at the Vegas media situation last week, and I think he also spoke to uh, Frank Saravalli, was it as well? There have been interviews where he's saying all of the right things. He's um, I, I, he's in a great position, a position himself as one of the central leaders of the team, if he also mm-hmm. plays in all of the right ways as well. I don't doubt that his teammates recognized and were frustrated by his lack of commitment to defense last year. So if he can match all of the positivity and all of the right words with that push forward and with that commitment, um, he's the player, I think, that has the most at stake in a, in a new coaching regime in the future of the Jets. Now, uh, as far as you know, the leadership conversation, I mean, it remains to be seen who really connects with Rick Bonus, who stands out and who's part of that group going forward. As far as on the ice, we've had many conversations on this program saying with the productivity of Nikolai Ehlers, this team needs more Nikolai Ehlers. It was very interesting to see uh, Connor, Shifley, and Ehlers together in a group. Um, And I put it out in the why not question today to fans before we even get to the power play. Um, Is that... Is that the Jets' number one line when they drop the puck? I mean, if Rick Bonus is trying to put together uh, a top six that makes sense, but also has, you know, gives yourself the best chance when you're putting your top line out to score and help the team win. Um, is that the line that you were envisioning? Um, and just thoughts on the way things were split up, at least amongst those perceived top six players in training camp. Well, let's start with your read on the groups. I think that's 100% accurate. I noted the same. I have a preview coming out at The Athletic. Maybe it's out right this moment. It's coming out today. Um, That talks about exactly that. I think we can read into that, and I think that we can expect Connor Shifley and Ehlers to at least start camp together. And in terms of how I interpret that, first of all, there's a great argument to be made that those are three of those are Winnipeg's three best skaters. And what Bonus has done is just chosen his most impactful players, grouped them together. Dubois, Wheeler, and probably Cole Perfetti, I would say, would be the the next line up. And if you get good seasons, if everybody plays to the absolute best of their ability in all three zones, those are your three best skaters, in my opinion. And it gives Shifley an opportunity to build that chemistry with the Ehlers that they had just started to last season. It wasn't always there, but there's an opportunity there. Certainly it moves Kyle Connor off of that partnership with Pierre-Luc Dubois, but I think Connor has offensive chemistry with just about anybody. Pierre-Luc Dubois, if he gets Perfetti and Wheeler, will be in a good spot as well. So did I expect this exact combination? You have to think of it as possible because if you were going to keep Connor and Dubois together, you might put... Blake Wheeler on that wing, but is Cole Perfetti a first-line left wing at this stage of his career? That's a a little bit much to, I think, ask, given the way that his season ended with injury. You could put Nick Ehlers there and keep Blake Wheeler on the top line with Shifley, um, and that also leads to, you know, 
uh, I guess, problems because Blake Wheeler isn't one of your three best skaters. And you've also just tried to pave the way for him to have a lesser role. So I think what this is, is it's Winnipeg's best three skaters put in a position to have the biggest possible impact. And the degree to which that they perform will be the degree to which Winnipeg has success with its top line. You'd hope for the best and, and we'll, we will see. Well, and when we're talking about the top six, we uh, we have to talk about Cole Perfetti because he is the one unknown. I don't want to say necessarily unknown. I think we know that there's a lot of potential there, but certainly unproven. And a guy that's been off the ice for a considerable amount of time before the Penticton tournament. Um, JP brought up an interesting point saying that, you know, putting a smaller player like Perfetti with a big, strong center like Dubois and a bigger player like uh, Blake Wheeler may potentially give him a little bit more wiggle room to feel as comfortable as possible out there. Um, just thoughts on where Perfetti fits in, and uh, if you had any comments on what you saw from him and Penticton heading into camp. Yeah, with Cole Perfetti, I agree that, you know, he's, first of all, just 20 years old, and he's ended the season where it looked like he was turning the corner. You know, those plays, those highly intelligent plays that he makes at any level of play, and you certainly saw it throughout Penticton, where he just recognizes a seam or an opportunity or a way to hold on to the puck to find a, a more dangerous play for his teammate, or he'll be, he'll make the direct play because he has the shooting ability as well, like he did on that two-on-one where he scored instead of passing it across. I mean, there are lots of things to like about his game. I don't think you want to immediately throw him to the wolves on the top line. And I do think that you want to find a situation where he has opportunity for success. I think Pierre-Luc Dubois will open up space for him the exact same way that Dubois opened up space for Kyle Connor last season. There is a big, strong bulldog of a player down the middle in that situation. Uh, Blake Wheeler as well. Maybe not necessarily in terms of powering his way straight to the net like before, but he can use his body to protect the puck, and he's also you know, just an elite playmaker in terms of how he sees the game. This is a great situation, I think, for Cole Perfetti to be in. Um, players who are top six of ability, who have the size to open up a little bit of space, and who think the game extremely well. I mean, Blake Wheeler's vision is why he's still, at 36 years old, a threat to be a really dynamic power play producer. Um, that's, that's a good situation. And when you think of how my last thought on this actually relates to the first line as well, how Rick Bonus is going to run his bench. Adam Lowry, Mason Appleton, and Guest, and what we can talk about that, will get the tough minutes. That's how Bonus runs it. Um, Radic Faxa, et cetera, in Dallas. I've talked about this a whole bunch of times. But what that allows you to do is, if you're going to run them that hard in a tough minute situation, is you're allowed to use your top line guys in a little bit more of an exploitative offense first situation. So that Shifley, Connor, Ehlers group, Maybe they're being asked to take all of the offensive zone draws and all of the situations where there's a bit of a matchup to exploit. And then Dubois, Wheeler, and Perfetti are sort of second up in that sort of regard. They'll play tough competition, but certainly there's a little bit of a way that you can see them leaning on Lowry so hard. It's a good situation for that top six this year. You know, while we're talking about the forwards, because I do want to get to the defense, um, and maybe this is in the uh, the athletic preview, which I'll be looking forward to see, but... Uh, have you given any thought to what a Jet first unit power play is going to look like? Um, I mean, I think we all agree that more Nikolai Ehlers would be positive. How does that look in your mind heading in? I mean, have you had a thought about who the five guys on that unit might be when Bonus has his first chance to throw them over the boards? Well, it's easy to say. It's easy to just start listing the you know top offensive players and and rolling with it. I expect four forwards and one defenseman. You know, I don't think we're going to see five forwards, even though you could make the argument. <laughs> Um, so I'm expecting that. And 
the the three, I think, mainstays and obvious answers are really Blake Wheeler, Mark Scheifele, and Kyle Connor. I don't think there's a way around that. I think that Blake Wheeler is still a strong power play performer. There's a consistency about his playmaking that really makes him a dangerous player in that situation. What I do wonder about is if Blake Wheeler should be the person through whom everything runs at this stage. Because the modern power play, the most effective ones across the NHL, and I'll look to say Tampa Bay as an example, where they've run similar systems to Winnipeg, but every single player, every single forward is a shooting or a passing threat. Whether it's Kucherov or Stamkos or whomever, everybody has multiple options where they can burn you. I don't think Blake Wheeler is a shooting option that can particularly burn you. And I think Nick Ehlers does have that... Um, that combination of shooting or passing threat. So what you're looking for, I would say, and if if you're looking to draw it up, is opportunities where maybe Blake Wheeler's setting things up from um, from behind the goal line, perhaps, and you have Kyle Connor on his off wing, ready to shoot the one timer. You have Mark Shifley, perhaps, in the high slot, and you have Nick Ehlers setting things up from Wheeler's position. Ehlers wouldn't be on his off wing. Maybe you want Shifley in that situation. Um, for a one-timer option, but Ehlers would be the more dangerous shooter. And then you would choose the defenseman as you see fit. I'm not sure how they're going to run it. I'm not sure how they're going to lay it out. You'll notice I don't have Dubois on that top unit. Certainly his size and strength would be an asset, but I just don't see him on that same elite level of playmaking and shooting as those other guys. Um, but I think that what you want is multiple threats as in as many situations as possible. And Ehlers is both of those to me. So my only question is whose job does he take? Because I think it's time he takes one of them. Well, I mean, I think that's pretty clear. And I think your point about, you know, comparing the Jets power play last year to a play uh, to a team like Tampa. I mean, you know, listen, Tampa, super elite team, two Stanley Cups. And we know the resumes of the guys in that unit but i mean the jets have some real elite forwards as well and we can talk about depth or whatever we're talking about a power play unit here and you're 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 mentioning about wheeler not being as much of a shooting option was so glaringly obvious at times when the jets power play got stale and somewhat stagnant and they didn't seem to have another club in the bag to really change it up and i mean that really did hurt the team for a while last season even though the numbers would tell you that you know, they did pretty well on the power play overall. There were some stretches where it just wasn't happening. And I guess that happens to all sorts of teams, but it, it really limits you with what you're able to do and how you can change it up when everything for the most part is designed to go through one guy. Yeah, that's the way that I see it exactly as well. Like think about think about a two-on-one, any two-on-one rush. You know, the reason it's so dangerous is because the player with the puck is a threat to shoot because he has that lane or perhaps a threat to pass as well. And you know that if it's Kyle Kahn or Nikolai Ehlers or Mark Shifley or someone of that ilk going down and leading that rush, you know they can do both. So you're, the, the defense has, has to defend one more option than it can realistically stop. A power play is sort of the same thing. Just the idea is to create more options than a defense can handle. And once upon a time when Wheeler was setting up all of Dustin Bufflin, Patrick Laine, and Mark Shifley, that was one more option the defenses could prepare for. Winnipeg doesn't have that many one-time bomb threats anymore. So what Wheeler essentially needs is another option other than a one-time pass to, to, to folks. So is that going to be a shot? He doesn't quite have that, and that leads to a little bit of stagnancy. I think one of the reasons why the Nikolai Ehlers, and in the past it would be Ehlers and Matthew Perot and Brian Little, etc., why that unit has had 
so much success is because all of those players could do either could do either thing. Perot certainly not a distance threat, but he was closer to the net. Little annealers and everybody who has gone through that, you know, they mixed it up. You didn't necessarily know as a PK, as far as I could tell, exactly what you were getting. And I think that that's more than who plays in exactly what spot. If it's if it's drawn up so that Winnipeg has options, uh, that's where the improvement will come from. Murata Tesh of The Athletic is with us. An interesting fantasy primer available at The Athletic by Murata. And we're waiting any minute for the training camp preview to come out. So make sure to check that out. And make sure you're subscribed to the great work by Murat and The Athletic team. Man, we've talked a lot about the blue line. And uh, they're all still here, Murat, heading into training camp. You've got five defensemen with multiple years on their contract left. Established NHLers. You've got Logan Stanley that's been with the club and played significant minutes over the last two seasons. You've got Billy Hainla and Dylan Sandberg seemingly ready for prime time with the big club. And you've got Johnny Kovacevic, who I think most would agree, very much capable of being a depth defenseman going back and forth between the lineup and the press box, who's no longer waivers exempt. How does this work going through training camp? And, you know, with the fact that, you know, we'll see a number of these defensemen split up between groups, JP talked to the level of competition under a new coach. I mean, what are you looking for and what will be the most intriguing for you when we're speaking about the blue line when things get going tomorrow and throughout the preseason? Well, the opportunity Winnipeg has in this situation with the new coaching staff is for performance to dictate opportunity, for performance to dictate jobs, ice time, everything. Everybody theoretically has a brand new slate to impress or not impress the, the new coaching staff. And that should be theoretically great news for Dylan Sandberg and Billy Hainala. You know, they've each come at this from different perspectives. Um, Hainala, not having gone through college, you know, he played games right away in his NHL career, probably wasn't ready for them, but has been kind of between the Moose and Jets over the last few years. Has a really, you know, you could see a high ceiling there in terms of how he moves the puck. Certainly size concerns, all of those things are real. But he's a very is still a young player at this stage of his career, two years younger than Sandberg is. Sandberg made a smoother entry into the NHL. Uh, his 15 games last season went uh, you know, fairly well. And both of those players could be sent to the Moose without any consequences for the Jets other than you know, how it impacts them as people in their development and all of that sort of stuff. I don't think that there's a way around Winnipeg finishing camp uh, with eight defensemen. I think that it has to go down that way. The simplest, most boring, most old school, most you don't want to see it way is neither one of those guys makes the NHL this uh, this year out of camp. And that's entirely possible when you have Morrissey, DeMello, Dylan, uh, Schmidt, Pionk, Stanley ahead of them. And then you've also signed Kyle Capobianco, who has, he was 25 years old. He has NHL experience. He needs waiver waivers. Sorry, he uh, he needs waivers, pardon me. Jonathan Kovacevic, 25 years old, also needs waivers. That's eight defensemen who you'd risk losing for nothing if you if you tried to send them to the Manitoba Moose. Certainly, Capobianco is probably, um, and maybe Kovacevic as well, the sorts of players that you look for a Hainala or a Sandberg to outperform, to outduel, um, and earn their job. But there's no guarantee that Winnipeg's willing to risk losing somebody just to make room. So what I look for in this situation is, who gets those minutes with veterans early? And if I recall, based on how the groups are led up, you're probably going to see Samberg or Hainala paired with Schmidt early. Um, you're going to have to look at those groups carefully. And if those young guys get to play with veterans early on, it will be a big story and a big opportunity for them.
Marat, this has been just an awesome conversation. I'm uh, just tee up folks what they can look forward to uh, when the, your training camp preview drops in the athletic later today. Yeah, we want to talk about all the biggest battles, all of the biggest discussions when it comes to who's going to get what job. That includes the top six. It includes the lineup combinations. It includes who's going to join Lowry and Appleton on that uh, matchup unit. It talks about, you know, Chaz Lucius, Brad Lambert, Cole Perfetti, realistic expectations for them. It sorts through this mess of a blue line we just touched on now. And it gets into some of the contractual details that might impact who gets what job because waivers is an issue. And it's also good news that Winnipeg's not in LTIR this year. There's cap flexibility. They get to do some creative things if they want to in terms of setting their lineup in terms of the best results for the, for the most amount of people. So that's the, the deep dive should be live uh, within minutes. Marat, just an awesome conversation. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, enjoy the last day before the season officially gets going, and uh, hopefully we'll see you at the rink before we do this again next week. Can't wait. Thanks so much, Us. There it is, at uh, WPG Marat on Twitter. That's Marat Atash, and as I mentioned, all of his great content available at The Athletic. We're staying on the Jets. It's all Jets all the time today on our mega training camp preview. Paul Edmonds, voice of the Jets, jumping on in just a minute. But first, I got to thank our friends at Princess Auto for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. And, of course, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And, folks, you know the Bombers are on the bye week this week, but they're back at it next week. Home game against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Looking for a clean sweep of the green and white on the season. And But if you're going to the game, make sure you get out to the Princess Auto tailgate zone before the game. Best atmosphere pregame I have ever been involved in before the Banjo Bowl of the Riders' last visit. Take advantage of the $5 beers, $3.50 pop and hot dogs, DJ finesse spinning. Get there early and enjoy the Princess Auto tailgate zone. And of course, Princess Auto is the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, and you can shop online 24 7. 365 at princessauto.com. Well, Ken will be joining us later on this week. The always hydrated Ken Weeb. And uh, listen, when we're talking hydration, water services in Winnipeg, Culligan has been the experts for over 65 years as a family-owned business here in Winnipeg and Manitoba with everything you, your family, home, cottage, and business need. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, and drinking water systems, not to mention citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Pop down and see them. The experts at Culligan Water, 1200 Sargent Avenue, 694-5180. You can find out everything they can do for you and your family online as well at drinkculligan.com. Of course, I mentioned the Bomber game coming up next week. If you haven't already at IG Field yet this summer, tried the great new drink of the summer, the Canadian Club of Ginger Ale. It's ready to drink for you in six packs and cans at your local beer store. And of course, you can pick up the great taste of Canadian Club, CC and Ginger, and all the Beam Suntory products at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. And of course, at IG Field, this Canadian Club is the official sponsor of your Winnipeg Blue Bombers and available throughout IG Field. Try it at the next Bomber game or pop by the uh, Manitoba Liquor Marts before then and get into it. And uh, hey, just as we bring in Paul, don't forget, off day today, but tomorrow, NFL season is back. Boston Pizza is the place to be. Uh, Watch every NFL game on the big screens at Boston Pizza. 
Enjoy delicious BP pizza flights plus ice cold bud draft on special for five bucks every game. And you can enter to win one of two trips to Vegas to see the Raiders and a bonus NHL game. November 11th to 13th is the Raiders Colts plus the Golden Knights and Blues on Saturday night. And the second trip is New Year's Eve weekend. Raiders Niners plus the Knights Preds on New Year's Eve. Watch the NFL and enter to win at any Winnipeg, Selkirk, Steinbeck, Morton, and Portage, Boston Pizza location. All right, let's get ready for camp. We can't do it without a visit from the loquacious voice of the Winnipeg Jets, our great friend Paul Edmonds. <laughs> Paulie, what's going on, man? It's great to have you back. You have a good summer? Are you ready to get back at it? Loquacious. Yes, very nice, Huss. Uh, listen, Princess Auto, let's get to that first. A big sponsor of yours. You know, it's one of those stores for me. This is an endorsement, of course that I don't go in very often. You know why? Because every time I walk in the door, it's a $500 bill. Because <laughs> I love the store, right? Like, it's just got everything I need. It's just right like my, my dad. Alley. It's like the dream yeah. store. I it, mean, is, they really it is, yeah. It so, so I have to be selective on when I, when I go in and when I don't go in to Princess Auto. Actually, if I had one sort of complaint about them, it would be that I would like for them to have a third location because I think they're out in Transcona and there's one in St. James. We kind of need one in the north end of the city. That would be real good. So that would be my only complaint about Princess Auto. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, they've been great to us. And uh, I know you, you'll you find a way to get there. And of course, again, I don't know how much online shopping you do, but uh, it's there for you 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. I still like the personal touch, Huss. You know, uh, well, the, especially the one -on -one, with things like that. You can, you can envision yourself working yeah. in the garage with these great <laughs> tools and whatnot. Um well, there's lots going on around the team. Uh, first of all, just what's the vibe like around the organization and uh, the team getting ready to uh, get things going in earnest tomorrow? Well, I think that whenever you get to this stage of the season and we're on the horizon of that starting, there's always sort of that that freshness, that new approach to it. And regardless of what went on the year before, whether you won the Stanley Cup or you didn't make the playoffs, in the case of Colorado and the Winnipeg Jets, so there's always that starting line, and I think that everybody just feels like there's an excitement around the team. I think that it's a little bit different for the Jets this year because the excitement comes from the fact that they have something to prove. And whether that becomes the us-against-the-world mentality, as so many teams have operated with uh, over the past in the history of sports, then that might be great. But I just think that they feel that they underachieved to a certain degree last year. They've got a good group. They've had to answer many, many questions about the room. And I had an opportunity on Monday, we had our production day and I was getting a bunch of liners and that's what, for people that don't know, hi, I'm Blake Wheeler and you're listening to Paul Edmonds and Jamie Thomas and 680 CJB. That was my responsibility. So I had a lot of interaction with the players on Monday and they were all in a real good mood. I think all ready to get this thing started, all ready to kind of, push last year aside and just forge on into what is new and what is fresh and what I think is exciting for a team that I think will challenge for a wild card this year in a playoff spot. I don't see why they shouldn't. I think that they've got a pretty good nucleus of, of talented players. It's just a matter of how the new coaching staff gets them to play. And that's the other exciting part about this, Huss. You've heard Rick Bonus talk and also Blake Wheeler last week when you know, there was that announcement about the leadership group and the change that they're going to play a different system. It's going to be a different style than we've seen the last seven or so years. And from that standpoint, I think that's kind of what is intriguing about 
how this new coaching staff is going to have the same group for the all intents and purposes play a different way. Well, you know what? And you mentioned Friday. I mean, and that was an announcement that, um, you know, listen, it had been discussed. I mean, I think this has been a group that's been together for a long time. I think everyone was expecting some changes from last year, from the disappointment to next year. Um, were you surprised? I mean, the way that all went down and uh, what did you think of what we heard from Blake? Wheeler? Cause I, as I said, and JP came on earlier today and said, I mean, he handled that about as well as one could. I mean, that's not an easy conversation to have. Um, but listen, I took from it. Nick bonus is saying this is a new slate for this entire hockey club. Um, everyone's on the same level going forward. And I think that's good for the team. Uh, but also for Blake, that's been such a big part of this organization and has borne the burden, as he mentioned, of wearing the captain. Um, you hope that this might be in some ways liberating for him and the hockey club going forward. I mean, uh, you've been around the club for a long time. I'm sure you were quite, were you surprised as many of us were just the way that that came out on Friday morning and wow, this is happening. I was surprised from the standpoint that how well Blake handled it. He handled that with a plum. In no other business, in no other industry, do you have any sort of an indignity on you or a demotion, and that's what we can call it, and then have to stand up in front of a bunch of people and yeah. explain yourself, including television cameras and microphones, right? I mean, only in pro sports would that happen. There has been precedent for this. I mean, I think of Joe Thornton, of course, and, and you know that situation a number of years ago with the San Jose Sharks. Rick Bonus explained it, as you just did, and, and I'm kind of repeating, that it's a new coaching staff. So we wanted to start fresh with this. I think that Blake had a good run as a captain. And make no mistake, for the six years that he was, he did everything that he possibly could to will this team to win and to try to make this team connected. If you pump some truth serum in him in a couple of years, would he say, hey, I made some mistakes? Probably. We all do. We're not perfect. But I do believe that this will motivate Blake. And make no mistake, this is still, in a lot of ways, Blake's team. He still will have a presence both in that dressing room and on the ice. He's a top six forward. And if Blake can use this as motivation to have a good year individually, that's going to help the collective. And if that helps the collective, the Winnipeg Jets, I think, will be just fine. Blake just seemed like he was okay with it. It's a difficult situation. Had to probably absorb it and process it a little bit from that standpoint with his family, with his wife, for sure. Um, but we'll see now who rises to where the letters on the lapel. And my forecasting for this is that we will not see a captain for, for quite a while for the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, somebody said to me, why do they have to anoint somebody right now a captain or even in the next two months? They could just go with a number of assistants as other teams have done. The New York Rangers until Jacob Chuba. Jacob Truba, excuse me, was anointed the captain. I mean, there's all kinds of precedent for that. So let's just see what happens. They're looking for, I think, the organic rising out of the dressing room and who's going to take over the team. But Blake still has a big value to this team overall, and he still will have a ubiquitous presence inside that room and on the ice as a top-line player and on the richest contract on the team as well. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. And I mean, I would be shocked if anything happened this year for one reason only is that there's a lot of contract uncertainty on some pretty key players that would very well be in the mix for that job um, if they were extended by the club over the course of the next offseason. And I think so much needs to happen first before we can even get to that point to really being it, to really discussing it. Um, all that being said, Paul, uh, Shifley, 
You know, Sarah Orleski, I think, said it best when she sat down with Mark in her first official role with the Winnipeg Jets and interviewing him out at Southwood before the Manitoba Open and said right out of the gate, you know, when the season ended, Mark, I'm not sure that I thought that we'd be having this conversation. Um, and, you know, he certainly sounded like a different guy uh, that was the frustrated individual at the end of that season. Um and has certainly sounded very positive going in. We'll see what happens on the ice this year, Paul, but I know you've been listening very closely and know Mark well from his years. I mean, what do you make of Mark's situation coming into this year? And the fact I firmly believe, I mean, if we want to see a turnaround, there's no one player, maybe outside of Connor Hellebuck, who still for my money I thought was real good last year, that can be more part of a positive change in so many different ways than Mark Scheifele, who's been such an important player in this club for a long time. Well, he's the team's number one center, and you're only as strong as you are up the middle. And with a real good one-two-three punch with Shifley, Dubois, and Lowry, I mean, that's a real good starting point. But you're absolutely right. I mean, for Blake Wheeler, if this is about a bounce-back season for him, this is also about, at 36 years old, his legacy with two years left on his contract and whether he wants to forge ahead and, and play another year or two after that. For Mark Shifley, similar but different. You've got two years left in your deal, and the next one probably will make you a very rich man because of where he is in his career. And whether that's in Winnipeg or somewhere else, we don't know. But what you need to do is perform in order to get to that stage where it's maybe looking at not Connor McDavid money, not uh, Nathan McKinnon type $12.5 million per year, but maybe something along the lines of a healthy raise to the six plus that he's making right now. And then, of course, the term comes with that. Pierre-Luc Dubois, same thing. On a one-year deal, there's one more year left for the Winnipeg Jets to control him after that. So you have all this collection of these players with these contract situations hovering around and orbiting in the background that make it important for these players to perform. Mark Shifley, very much included in that. And I don't think there's been any criticism on Mark's ability to play the game offensively. I think when you look at his numbers as a point-per-game player for multiple years running, that's what you want out of your number one center. I do believe that where Mark needs to kind of improve his game, and this is no secret, is on his side of center ice. And let's see what the new coaching staff can do with that. The part that I really liked about Mark and, and his revealing sort of uh, conversations with Sarah and with some others have been the fact that you know, Rick Bonus reached out to him on numerous occasions over the course of this offseason to ask him for his thoughts on things. And as a result, he felt way more included about some sort of a direction of the team. Paul Maurice always talked about that, whether it came to fruition or not, but he talked about everybody having a piece of ownership. And once you do, then there's that loyalty to making sure that we're all pulling on the same side of the rope. I do believe that from what I've heard, what I've seen with Mark Shifley, he feels a little bit more ownership than ever before with this team. And if that's the case, that will be good for the Winnipeg Jets because he can then kind of display the way he wants to play in a different type of structure that maybe is built for him. And that's going to help the Winnipeg Jets translate into points and goals, which will translate into points in the standings. Training camp begins tomorrow for the Winnipeg Jets down at the Iceplex. Paul Edmonds is the radio voice of the Jets on 680 CJOB. And of course, doing all sorts of other content for the Jets platforms. Paulie, the blue line has been a topic that we've hit all 
summer long, expecting that maybe something was going to give just with how many talented players you have back there and so limited jobs. That hasn't been the case. Very interesting to see the way Rick Bonus has split up the groups. From your perspective, I mean, what will you be looking for? And what do you make of the competition on the blue line for, first of all, a spot in the opening night lineup as well as a spot on the roster? I don't think there's as much movement forthcoming as what people might predict. I think what you're going to see is pretty much a carbon copy of the way it kind of ended last year. What I do see, and that is, of course, Josh Morrissey, Neil Pionk, Dylan DeMello, Brendan Dillon, and and then certainly some, some Nate Schmidt into the mix as your top five. Where it's going to be competitive is, okay, where is Billy Hanley going to fit in here now? And is he going to push in this year? Logan Stanley is not a lock to make the team this year other than maybe a six or a seven. Dylan Sandberg needs an opportunity to get an opportunity to play and, and play meaningful games again to maybe assume that sixth or seventh spot. There's also guys on the moose, and this is what I really enjoy about this training camp going in. And, and looking at what's being pushed up from the American Hockey League affiliate with the Manitoba Moose into the Winnipeg Jets, Declan Chisholm, Leon Gavanka, Jonathan Kovacevic, these guys are just about ready to knock on the door here as well. So when it comes to the competitive nature of fighting for what I see as one or two spots, as six or seven on the depth chart for the Winnipeg Jets, very, very stern competition going into camp, which will start on Thursday but I don't think you're going to see a lot of movement in the top five. I don't think you're going to see anybody unseated in their spot. Unless, of course, the Winnipeg Jets find a way to divest themselves of one of those players in a trade. I don't think you're going to see anybody waived. I think with the salary cap, that the space that they do have, they're probably looking at some of these other teams that are in cap hell right now and saying maybe we can pluck somebody. But where the competition really is going to lie is going to lie on that last spot. One spot, if you can really determine that, on the blue line for the Jets. And that's where I'm going to be kind of focused to see who maybe assumes six or seven because there's a host of guys that I think could fill that role. Let's not forget, you also need to have more defensemen, is my last point on this, than, than maybe forwards because it was only a few years ago Ben Sherratt got in in December, never left the lineup for the Winnipeg Jets after the Jets had, you know, they were they were down to like 13 guys on the depth chart that they were just kind of moving in because of all the injuries. That's one spot you want to make sure that you have enough depth on your team, and that's defensemen to move forward to try to pursue a playoff spot. Oh, I remember Craig Heisinger telling me back in the Moose days that if you want to win a championship, you need 10 defensemen, and I think that's now 12 defensemen in the National Hockey League. Um, uh, That being said, if nothing does change, there's going to be a couple good players that'll be exposed to waivers. I mean, that's just a simple math thing. I mean, Johnny Kovacevic, if he's not on the roster, he'll be available as a big 25-year-old young defenseman. I wouldn't imagine the Jets would want to lose him for nothing. Um, But as I said, it is going to be interesting. And like JP said, there is that window sort of towards the end of training camp where teams are making their decisions and have had a chance to look at everything that they have and what's happening in and around the league. And I still am holding on to the possibility that the Jets, with a little bit of wiggle room when it comes to the cap, could actually be in a pretty advantageous situation, potentially move one of their defensemen, get a forward back that might be making a little bit more than whatever defenseman leaves the Winnipeg Jets 
and add a little bit more depth up front because I think it's pretty clear if you look at the roster and the way that organizational structure is set up right now, there's more room for maybe a newcomer to come in in the forward group than there certainly is on the blue line. Paul, what right now, I mean, speculating going into the final cutdown day, how likely do you think it is that the Winnipeg Jets would actually keep eight defensemen on the roster for opening night? That's not something we've seen in the past, but I have to admit, looking at the numbers on both sides of things, I would almost bet it's more likely than not at this point. Well, I mean, as you mentioned, if you are worried about losing somebody on the waiver wire that is not waivers exempt, then maybe you try to manipulate your roster that way to hold on to somebody for an extra day, two, or week, right? depending on when you have to make that last declaration and, and then pare down. So from that standpoint, I think that there is a possibility that you kind of go that way. Let's not forget that, yeah, you're maybe looking for a little bit more depth on your forward core. Sam Gagne, I think, is a really good pickup. This guy, I mean, you know, he had double digits in goals last year for Detroit. He's 33 years old. He still wants to play. He's happy to be back in Western Canada. So, you know, from that standpoint – he bolsters the depth there. I mean, nothing's really going to change on your top six. And I would dare say and make the submission, nothing's changing on your top nine either. Like Jansen Harkin's probably going to be on that third line, along with Morgan Barron. Both guys were here last year. You get Mason Appleton back on that third line. Adam Lowry is like that lock in your third line center spot. So there could be a little bit more movement when it comes to the fourth line. But I think Sam Gagne is going to assume a, a spot there, whether it's in the middle or on the wing with Dominic Toninato who has really acquitted himself very well in the last couple of years for the Jets. So there's lots to like about this, but there's also because you have that space on the salary cap, either you can make a move at the trade deadline. Prior to that, you can maybe make a move that helps you uh, assume somebody on a waiver wire, or you can maybe make a move early on when it comes to moving and having a bit of a horse trade here as well. So there's lots of options for the Winnipeg Jets and Kevin Chevel day off. I think they're in a very good position right now going into camp and then through that, through the exhibition schedule before they get to the New York Rangers in October. Paulie, a lot of the conversation has been around the way the top six looks. And of course the blue line, I think we very much know the way the goaltending looks, but I do want to ask you before we go about the third line. Um, we know a third line, whatever the checking line, however we want to call it, the Adam Lowry line. Um, I fully expect Mason Appleton to be riding shotgun with Adam Lowry. Um, looking ahead to game number one, if you had to lay a guess as to who gets that opportunity at the start of the season to play with Adam Lowry and Mason Appleton, is there a clear-cut front runner for you? Or um, is that going to be something that we will find out through the training camp and the preseason schedule? I think it's down to two guys. And, you know, there's a real important year here for Jansen Harkins being one of them. He was an offensive guy at Major Junior. He was an offensive guy and, and an all-star at the American Hockey League, and you'd like to see him translate those two into the National Hockey League and score a few more goals. So there's an opportunity for him on the left side there. I also think Morgan Barron, who was acquired uh, last year in that cop deal, he's the other guy that I think is into the mix. He's a bigger body. I think they really feel that he can play. So he's going to get that opportunity there as well. So those two will be fighting for that that left winger's third-line spot, uh, along with Lowry and Mason Appleton. And the, the whole key part to that is this, that if you're on that third line with those guys, you're looking for a little bit more offense now from that line if you're Rick Bonus, Scott Arneal, and the rest of the coaching staff. 
And I think Adam Lowry and Mason Appleton would like to deliver a little bit more as well. But also you are going to, just by being there on that line, get an opportunity for more ice time because you're probably playing with two of the best penalty killers on your team, notwithstanding Kyle Connor. So there might be an opportunity for you to shift into that role as well and learn on-the-job training on how to kill penalties and be responsible there and up your ice time, thereby maybe having an opportunity to find your way to the back of the net with more minutes. So there's a real good fight there, I think, between Jansen Harkins and Morgan Barron on that left side on that third line. And then everything else will fall into place from there when it comes to your 10th, 11th, 12th, and 13th forward. Pauly, uh, man, this has been a great conversation. I could kick it with you for uh, hours, but uh, just on the way out, last one, uh, you know, I think we've been speaking more about the expected members of the Winnipeg Jets this year, but the Prospects event out in Penticton just finished out. Uh, I know Jamie was out there. I know you were paying close attention. I mean, just from that group of young players, was there a guy or two that either stood out there or you're going to be watching particularly closely when things get going in earnest tomorrow? Well, I think that anytime you go to that tournament, and I've been several times, the translation is this. Okay, they're playing against their peers, these players. You know, young guys against their peers. There's a bit of a mix of AHL guys sometimes. How are they going to look in the next step? So for me, Chaz Lucius, Brad Lambert, those are the guys that I think kind of impressed in terms of their skating ability, their dangleitis, as I like to call it, um, you know, their offensive prowess. How is that going to translate into camp? And then certainly if you get into an exhibition game, because that's the next step for these guys. And that step, I don't want to diminish anything. That is a big step. And I know it's from, you know, going from a rookie camp to preseason NHL hockey. It is a big jump because the game changes. And then once you go from there to a regular NHL game, it has another plateau and it changes again and then throughout the course of the season. So those would be a couple of guys that I'm I'm looking toward uh, seeing at, at training camp, both first-round picks. And the Winnipeg Jets have done a pretty good job historically at not missing on first-round picks. And we'll see if they've certainly done that again or not done that again this year. Paul, this has been a lot of fun. Um, get right back to it this weekend. Uh, the boat in the water, you're ready to get back on the plane now and uh, get back uh, to work? You know what? It was a sad day on Saturday at Point de Bois, Manitoba, where Paul Edmonds and his youngest rolled out, got the boat out of the water, put it on the trailer, and hauled it home. So we're done for fishing unless we get to the hard water. The hard water, ice fishing. That'll be the next time I go fishing. Hey, uh, anything you want to fill Jet fans in on uh, what you and the Jets team have coming up through training camp heading into your first broadcast of the year on CGOB? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, it's going to be all kinds of content uh, that we're going to generate for the website and then through social media platforms on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Our first game is on Sunday. We'll be on 680 CGOB, 5 p.m., and it's against the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, that will be interesting as well because they're looking for bigger and better things this year in the oil um, and that kicks off, you know, the whole six-game exhibition schedule. I'm looking forward to it. I always tell people, because I get asked this, and you'll love this, even going back to my old days with baseball or or certainly with junior hockey, haven't called a game for a while. Do I remember how to do this? We'll find out on Sunday. You're going to be able to travel without Dennis this year. That's That's going to be completely different. I mean, I've spent the last nine years with Dennis, right? I mean... And he was an institution here. He was a charter member of the broadcast crew, and now he's not here any longer. And we're going to welcome somebody new into the mix. Uh, but it's going to be different for sure. And, uh, you know, Dennis always sat behind me on the bus. And 
I've heard all of his jokes about a hundred times, and I still laugh at all of them every single time. And I'm going to miss that for sure. Hey, I won't ask you who it is, but do you have any idea? We get it. I mean, every single day, there's 20 people in the chat going, who's the new who's taking over for Dennis? Do you have any idea on when that will be public information and Jet fans will know who's calling the games? I, I know this. It's not me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got you on Sunday against the Edmonton Oilers, yeah. of course, over on uh, 680 CGOB Jets Radio. Paul, this was a lot of fun. All the best to you and the squad. Can't wait to do this again as we uh, get the guys back on the ice tomorrow and in some game action on the weekend. Hustler, anytime, man. You've got my number, and thanks a lot for Michael for uh, arranging this on the production side. Hey, the pleasure was all ours having you, Paul. Have a great year, and uh, we'll see you at the rink. Yep. There it is, the uh, voice of the Jets. Follow him on Twitter, at Utility Voice, and uh, you can check out what he, Jamie Thomas, Mitch Clinton, and, of course, the big free agent signing Sarah Orleski will have for you on the Jets flat platforms through their website. Uh, man, those were some great conversations with JP Marat and Paul. I can't wait to see what happens tomorrow when the team gets on the ice. Uh, hey, just before we bring Remus back in here, a big shout out to the Nick and Nikki DQ group. I saw Joe, Joe from Winnipeg was enjoying the conversation so much. He had put off heading out to DQ for lunch while Marat and Paul were on. Well, Joe, you can go now, but uh, don't forget four locations in Winnipeg for our friends, the Nick and Nicky DQ group. Well, DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. Um, I hope Joe is going to take my advice and get the uh, Smokehouse Stack Burger, my favorite of the Stack Burgers that they've got there. And, of course, you got to mix in a blizzard. Number one on my personal power poll right now, the Reese's Pieces cookie dough. But uh, Kit Kat, some other great summer flavors, still kicking around at your local Nick and Nicky DQ. And if you do need a DQ ice cream cake before you even leave the house, hit them up on Instagram. Let them know what you're looking for. They'll get it done up for you for a quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. Hey, Fan Fest on the weekend for the Winnipeg Jets on the 24th. It's also a big weekend amongst the uh, arts community and our friends at Little Brown Jug have a big event on Saturday. It is the party for Nuit Blanche. If you haven't been to one of Little Brown Jug's past Nuit Blanche parties, you've been missing out. Don't make that same mistake this year. This September 24th, they're closing down the street and hosting a night that's a true celebration of art in our city. The night features the Moss to a Flame art installation, live music performers, Rob Neggs and Leosa, dance performance, and more. The party goes until 2 a.m. and is free, so do not miss out. Great option for you folks on Saturday night here in Winnipeg down at Little Brown Jug. And, of course, pop by Little Brown Jug on William Avenue anytime to pick up Winnipeg's favorite local beer. And you can also pick up Little Brown Jug at your favorite beer store or by ordering online for delivery citywide at littlebrownjug.ca. And uh, no Assiniboia Downs tonight. I was sort of caught off guard. I knew there was one of the Wednesdays that they weren't running, but they have added an extra day of racing next week. So Remo and I have three days left to go head-to-head. It was not a great day for the boys yesterday at Assiniboia Downs, but... If you haven't been out or you want to make sure you get in one more day of live racing before the end of the racing season, next week is it, folks. So uh, give them a call, 885-3330. Get a reservation in the Terrace Dining Room. Enjoy that incredible prime rib buffet or all the great fare that they've got there. And hopefully cash a few tickets down at Assiniboia Downs if you do want to bet on the track off-site. You can do it and all the tracks around the world as we do every day at hpibet.com. All right, let's uh, 
get Michael Remus in here. Oh, I see Mike's just, uh, Remus has just mentioned in the chat that he cracked his cell phone at Nuit Blanche a few years ago. Can only imagine there's a story behind that. Remo, uh, uh, before we get into that, um, man, that was a hell of a great stretch of uh, JP, Marat, and Paul getting people ready with uh, all the big stories around Jets training camp, which begins tomorrow. Yeah, when I wrote the title, Winnipeg Jets Mega Training Camp Preview, you think I... Like you think I wasn't kidding? We don't just throw I, around mega here yeah, very often. I don't often. just throw around the word mega for no reason. The last time we used mega on this was for our mega Grey Cup preview um, before the Grey Cup, you know, last year. So uh, wasn't screwing around. We had three, you know, three different perspectives: JP, the former player, Marat, uh, you know, anal- analyst, writer, and pro- and Paul, the broadcaster. So it was pretty cool. A lot of lots to discuss. A lot of intrigue. I think we're going to be very curious to see how, well, the training camp are already talking about, you know, first thing you go, okay, what are the lines going to be? Who's playing where? Who's playing with who? But also the first, you know, month or two of the season, you're like, okay, how is this going to go here? So a lot of intrigue. I see some naysayers in chat. Look, we were all here last year putting the lock button on Jets to make the playoffs on a cool bet. We saw how that turned out. So I'm... Listen, that's why you play the games, yeah. folks. That's why we play the games. I, I'll be the first to admit, the summer started a little late. There was the trots watch. There was bonus getting hired. There was the PLD stuff in and around the draft and afterwards. And then we got some nice weather. Bombers are kicking ass. And I hadn't been thinking a lot about hockey. Um, and I wasn't sure how it was going to feel as everything got going. I now can't wait to get to the tra- to the Iceplex to see what's going on, and I really can't wait to get back to uh, Canada Life Center, back in the seats, seeing friends at the games, and uh, seeing what this team can do. I think this is as interesting and intriguing month that we've had uh, probably since Paul Maurice took over uh, with his first full training camp, the man's camp, as he said back, uh, back in the day. Um, and I'm already encouraged by the fact that it seems like Rick Bonus is taking a very different um, approach to, well, a lot of things for this club. And listen, we'll talk about personnel, uh, what could and what couldn't happen, deals that have not been made. And as I said, there's still is some time, as JP pointed out, that towards the end of camp, we could see some more player movement in the league and potentially hear from the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, but all in all, Remo, it's the end of September. The NFL has started. It's time to get back to the rink, and uh, it all gets going tomorrow. Oh yeah, I'm I'm fired up, and I think a lot of about this year too. I think depending on how it goes, maybe kind of predicts what the future of the franchise is going to be. Where you have guys like Wheeler, Hellebuck, um, and Shafley, all with two years left on their contracts, and Dubois with the two years of two RFA, you know, two years of team control left, and you know we talked a lot about his situation in the summer. So um, it is a big year, not only for this year, but for the direction of the franchise moving forward. So a lot of, a lot of storylines uh, going, for, going forward. And I will say one of the, you know, there's a couple off ice things too, um, as well. I mean, we didn't touch on, um, you know, the Howard check statue. We have the Solani Newman in night, um, you know, we got the reverse retro, Jersey, and we're already seeing leaks from some other ones. That's going to be announced, I think, November, October. I've seen people reporting on that. But also, you know, off the ice too, Hus. Uh, we didn't have a sellout last year. Will we have a sellout 
this season. And I, I, the Jets, they're trying hard us to sell some of these tickets. We've seen packages. I saw one thing today that I've never seen from the Jets uh, in terms of ticket sales. I almost wish I was still a student. Huss, check this out. I got to get a, one of those fake student IDs. Maybe I, can, <laughs> I still have a student number. I took some classes recently. It says, calling all students looking for some great hockey deals. Sign up. Get special offers, including single-game discounts. So I might have to go go take some classes so I can get a student number and uh, get in on these. So. Can I, I, can I still pass? Always looking for an approved I, deal. I feel, yeah, approved. I no, feel you young can't. still. You're, listen, dude, you're old. You were at the Eagles concert on the weekend. Yeah. And you're about to have another child. I'm not sure whether you can pass anymore as a... Uh, you know, I am and just uh, here for my second year psych. Uh, maybe we'll do a class <laughs> outing to the Jet game with. The, I know my. Uh, I still group. know my student numbers. So do you think I could put those in? I did. I did. Hey, I took some classes a couple years ago. I think I could. I could get in on it. I don't know if I shaved. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> See what you can do. See what you can do. Uh, there was an interesting email yesterday um, to all season ticket holders just on the um, season ticket holder benefits for the upcoming season. Got some interesting contests that they've been running in and around FanFest for everything that's happening this week. Uh, there's a staycation contest. There's an opportunity to be part of the home opener from the player intro tunnel as well. And I know there were some people that were asking about the uh, the discount card. I'm not sure exactly if it is going to be a card like it was last year, it'll be some sort of digital thing that you swipe or you have on your phone. NFT. Uh, but, I, but the uh, the season ticket holder benefits do include food and beverage discounts. It's right at the top of the list. Uh, and I believe this is pretty much the same. So I wouldn't expect much change. Uh, but they've taken our most purchased food and beverage items at Canada Life Center and reduced the cost exclusively for season ticket holders. 25% off these items, if I recall correctly, for last year uh, was beer, draft beer. I can definitely confirm that that was the case. Uh, pop, popcorn, water. I think that was it, but um, certainly that was nice. Uh, you've obviously got additional ticket savings and monthly contests that we've been talking about that they've done before. And each season ticket member will be receiving a special gift more information to follow. Oh, that's something that most getting? teams have done. That's been something the Jets hadn't for the last number of years. Um, but I think they're uh, they're getting back up to to speed with what many of other uh, the other teams have done. Um, so I'll be looking forward to that. I'll report on that. And uh, as I say, I'm not working for the team, but I go to all the games. I certainly would like to have more of you in the seats. So uh, listen, if you're thinking about maybe getting either a partial package or getting together with some. Uh, folks to get seats for the year uh i would i would suggest that your seat availability has never been better than it's been right now and um as i said you know people all have their own they'll make their decisions on their own spending dollar as they do uh but i think we all would like to see even after a disappointing season uh some nice crowds and uh make that arena what it can be with some of the best fans in the national hockey league yeah you know it's been it's hard to believe, Huss, that it's been like 10 years, more than 10 years since the first season, and I was going through some memories because it was 11 years ago yesterday. It was the first game, and I just remember the atmosphere there. The Columbus game? The Columbus game, yeah. The that Buffs was September do? 20, The Buffs do first, uh, first shift? Yes. Um, 
Yeah, that first shift. And then I remember, um, I mean, the first game against Montreal, what, the game against uh, Pittsburgh when they scored right away. Uh, you know, the chance, various chance throughout the first season. I mean, it's it's been 10 years. And, you know, the last season was kind of, you know, they didn't have a sellout. So hopefully we can get back to some packed arenas. But I think a lot of that is going to be on the product on the ice as well. Well, there's no doubt about it. I think, you know, there's a lot of people that have been um, investing in the team for a long time that have maybe taken a step back wondering what the direction of the club is. And, you know, this kind of goes back to Rick Bonus. There is a lot on he and his new coaching staff to get the most out of this team that certainly didn't happen last year. But I think there's also a number of other things that have affected that. And uh, I think the team's already doing a good job to try to get this season started on a much different tone and note. And um, listen, I wouldn't comp- I wouldn't be too worried. I mean, like JP said earlier, everyone is tied for first right now. Um, the season can go in a bunch of different ways, but this is always an exciting time and should be for hockey fans, players alike. Uh, speaking of that, let's get to the cool bet lines. I promised you yesterday when Nikolai Ehlers was somehow not amongst the players who had props listed for the upcoming NHL season over at cool bet that I would get that taken care of immediately and uh it has been done we have Ehlers props as well and I believe as well Cole Perfetti but let's focus in on Nikolai Ehlers first of all last year was the uh, 28 and a half or 29 and a half I believe the number was and of course he missed that time and finished just short that is a pitfall players do get injured we talked about Kyle Connor after his 47 goal season last year his total 43 and a half one of the highest in the league but Nikolai Ehlers for the Winnipeg Jets has a total of 33 and a half goals over or under Listen, I think if he played the full season last year, he would have hit that total. You hope that he can stay healthy and be in the lineup, Remo, but with his increased role, presumably playing more minutes on that top line, presumably having for the first time ever a consistent spot in the first power play, I would imagine, well, I will say this, if Nikolai Ehlers plays 80-plus games, I think that is a lock to go over for uh, the talented Dane. Yeah, I got to pull up, uh, you know, you guys know I always talk about Dom's, projections here i haven't actually looked at ehlers i looked at the other ones but yeah we know the talent that he has i think a lot of it for ehlers function of health and ice time will he get those power play one minutes that we've been wanting him to have you know his come said why are we always talking about ehlers on pp1 well you look at his rate stats points per 60 he's among leaders on the jets so you think they it's would called want, production yeah you'd want that guy who's the most efficient uh point scorer to get more ice time and he would score more points so uh we'll have to wait and see i would take we were all on team over last year and uh we we'll got we hey we got screwed by an injury i'll be mm-hmm. back on team over again this year trust me on that and hey if you're bullish on cole perfetti i mean what an opportunity he has coming in and presumably you know penciling into that top six of the winnipeg jets cole perfetti total goals for the regular season is over under 14 and a half. Um, You'd have to think that playing a full season, he'd be a lock for 15 plus if he's playing in the top six all year long and getting some power play time. But of course, part of the issue is that, you know, Cole Porfetti got hurt last year. I think the first job for Cole will be to 
hopefully stay healthy and play a full season. As far as the point totals for those players, Cole Perfetti's total points over at Coolbet is over under 40 and a half. So essentially, can he be a half point per game player over 82 games? Uh, the overs minus 109, the under juiced up a little bit, minus 122. And then as far as Nikolai Ehlers goes, the goal total was 33 and a half. Nikolai Ehlers' point total is over 72 and a half. And, you know, again, Remo, we've talked about how productive he has been when he's been on the ice and his time per minute is points per minute and points per 60. Um, if Nikolai Ehlers is a big benefactor of the coaching change and gets the ice time that I'd say the majority of Winnipeg Jets fans would like to see him get, I think he's got a very good chance of getting over both of those numbers, obviously, if he can stay healthy. Yes, uh, I'll say this. Uh, I'm looking at Dom's projections, and I am I wonder if the people at Coolbet are using a similar model to Dom because Dom has Ehlers at 33 goals and 71 points. <laughs> which is pretty much the same. And Perfetti was was 15 goals and 40 points. So I think it's, <laughs> they must be using same uh, same math to uh, get to their lines. Dom, Dom may very well be the lines maker for some of these things. Um, hey, he's been very, very successful in the past with these numbers. And, um, you know, I think a lot of those numbers also, you know, take into account the potential of missing time, which when you're talking about season-long props, is always your enemy if you were on the over. And part of the reason why, if you just blindly bet unders, you probably end up making some money by the uh, well, by the end of the year. It's funny because Dom has uh, Perfetti at 72 games and 40 points. And Ehlers, he has him at 77 games and 71 points. So he's trying to bake in some you know missed time, whatever injuries or soreness. Whatever it is, but yeah, health is going to be uh, going to be pretty pretty big when you're betting season long uh, over unders. Kyle Connors, we mentioned forty three and a half for total points and eighty six and a half for the points. Do we have uh, do we have Pierre Luc Dubois in here? That was the one guy. No, okay, there's my next job. We'll get PLD and uh, potentially no. Was Blake Wheeler in there, Remo? I'm not sure if we. Oh yeah, Blake Wheeler is there. Points for the regular season sixty four and a half. And uh, goals will be significantly less, I'm sure. Uh, well, the goals is basically, can he get to 20? 19 and a half for Blake Wheeler for the goals on the season. All the NHL uh, props, well, everything that is available right now is up right now at CoolBet. Go to CoolBet.com. If you haven't bet there before, use the promo code WST. We'll give you a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to 200 bucks. You can sprinkle on the Bombers when they're back in action. Week three in the National Football League. And if you want to have some fun with some season-long bets on your favorite Winnipeg Jets, you can do that as well over at CoolBet. Um, listen, before we go, Remo, um, you're just mentioning on the uh, director tab that uh, the Jets just announced some staffing changes. This is all new to me as we're live on the air. So yeah. uh, why don't you fill us in before we're done? We're live. Shout out to Russ Lowen, who says the Jets staffing changes announced just as you finish up. So they... They knew, scheduled it for, for 310. No, just kidding. Hey, just quickly, by the way, DQ Nick, what up? Are there odds on who the play-by-play guy will be? As I said yesterday and tweeted out, the minute Dan Robertson 
removed himself from the Habs radio job. I think the numbers went off the board. I will be stunned if it is not him. Certainly that has been speculated, but we do not know at this point. But uh, if that is the case, um, an amazing pro, uh, by all accounts, a heck of a great dude. And uh, I think someone that Jet fans would be uh, excited to hear, although fill in the big shoes of our good friends, Dennis Bayak. Uh, all right, Remo, fill us in on these Jets and Moose hockey ops staff updates. Yes, uh, the Jets announced Yari Kekalainen, Tony Martino, and Sidney Daniels have joined the organization's scouting staff. And I'm literally just opening this right now, and I'm reading it for the first time. Yari Kekalainen joins the amateur scouting staff as European scout, and before he's with the Panthers. And Tony Martino joins amateur scouting staff, focused attention with the United States. Most recently, Tony was a member of the Leaf scouting staff for seven seasons. I know the Jets lost a U.S. amateur scout, Max Peace. And Sydney Daniels will join pro scouting staff as college scout. And she before she was an assistant coach with the women's hockey team at Harvard. And her role also included scouting and recruitment. And they've shuffled up a bunch of other... A bunch of other stuff. Oh, I see Chris Kreviasek got a promotion. Uh, and so did Katie Fernick. So a lot of... Imagine every time you got promoted, they just sent out a release. Uh, but what was, what was going on? So congratulations uh, to all the new hirees. Well, what's, listen, what's significant about this, and this is something we've talked about before, and I think it has really been uh, apparent more than ever this offseason, is the amount of women getting opportunities in hockey operations mm -hmm. roles in the National Hockey League. And I, I mean, I could be mistaken on this, but off the top of my head, uh, it, I believe that Sydney Daniels is the first woman to ever hold a role within the Winnipeg Jets um, hockey ops side of things. Um, and I think that's a positive for the team, for the league. Um, we've seen a number of women um, getting opportunities that weren't there beforehand. And, uh, you know, hopefully she'll be a great addition to the team. Uh, just so people are further wondering about Sydney Daniels and who she is. She was an assistant coach with the women's hockey team at Harvard University, where her role also included scouting and recruitment of student athletes. So she's going to join the pro scouting staff as part of the, uh, as a college scout going forward. And, um, of course, as you mentioned, uh, Yari Kekalainen taking care of Europe and Tony Martino joining the amateur scouting staff focusing on the United States region. And that'll be an important job for the Winnipeg Jets. We know how many players they plucked out of United State, out of the United States over the last number of years. Um, great show today. I can't not thank the guys enough. This, uh, this really did turn into a mega preview, if you will. Uh, for the Winnipeg Jets training camp with J.P. Vijay, Paul Edmonds, and, of course, a great conversation with Murad Atesh. If you jumped on late, uh, go back, check it out earlier. And definitely, whatever you do, Jet season is here, folks. Make sure you are subscribed to the channel. Hit that red subscribe button and join us every day here. Just before we go, uh, but Rima, I know you wanted to talk about Aaron Judge hitting 60 last night and then the Yankees finishing it off with a Stanton walk-off grand slam. I did sort of feel bad for Stanton because he went in as the hero for the night and just had to answer questions about Aaron Judge, but uh, big, big night for the Bronx Bombers. 
Aaron Judge, I was on Team Otani MVP, but I think this Judge season is getting really up there. It's gonna, it's hard to over overlook. Um, sixty home runs. You know, we haven't seen a sixty home run hitter in the American League since Roger Maris. This is absolutely insane. I can't remember the last time I saw people dive for a home run ball, uh, like they were going for some kind of like that lottery was... ticket. It was crazy last night. <laughs> so the guy caught the ball. He kind of got out of there like stealthily. People were still going for it. Yeah. But he gave it up right away. It was number 60. He got, I think, a picture with Judge and Stein Ball. I would for sure want a jersey. Um, I don't know. I wonder they if we should have thrown in some season tickets and stuff for those guys or something like that. I mean, that would have, I don't know what, that ball is worth at least 100 grand. I don't think there's the any 60, doubt about that. You think, because I, I think 62 is the one that you'd want to hold hostage. I don't know. About 60. They're trying to get a all six, the balls. Six, 60 is such a significant... And he's playing for the New York Yankees. I mean, come on. I mean, that that yeah. would absolutely... If you don't think... I mean, a collector, if you put that up at whatever, the auction house, mm-hmm. I think you'd probably get plenty more oh. than that. So Here, um, Darren, Darren Rovell called out the Yankees. He says they had an embarrassing offer for number 60 that the guy accepted. It was like pictures with Judge. But 61 and 62, he thinks they need to up their game. So whatever. I always wonder what I would do in that situation. We had this before with Brady and the Mike Evans uh, touchdown uh, ball that Evans just handed off. So uh, (laughs) Judge Watt, it's pretty cool. I mean, again, breaking the Yankee and American League record, 61. We haven't had a guy hit 60 in a long time. This guy is an absolute monster. So uh, pretty cool. And I think a lot of TV people are nervous if he's going to break it on Friday night when the Yankees are playing on Apple TV and you don't have, you don't have, first of all, one, no one can watch it or it's harder to watch than if it was on Yes Network. And you're not going to have, you know, Michael Kay do the call because obviously the call is the best, the best part, you know, with Michael Kay on Yes and uh, John Sterling on the radio call. And I watched both of those last night. So uh, historic stuff that, you know, I feel like a lot of people aren't, aren't talking about really. Uh, it was a big game last night between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Toronto Argonauts, or excuse me, it was the Phillies and Blue Jays. It just looked like a football game once you saw the final score. They're back at it tonight. Uh, check my Twitter feed or the Cool Bet Twitter feed for my pick of the day. Uh, we didn't get the strikeouts for chicken strips last night. We're going to ride with Bo, though. Bo Bichette, who's been so damn hot throughout the month of September. You get over one and a half total bases tonight. You can check out that game over on the net. And uh, tomorrow, folks, a busy show, day one of training camp. And uh, we'll have Mike McIntyre join us live on the show. We'll also have Scott Billick with his thoughts. And we'll get ready for week three in the National Football League with Andy McNamara. Uh, All right, we'll try this again. Thanks to the sponsors. Great stuff from JP, Marat, and Paul Edmonds. Enjoy the night, folks, and we'll see you tomorrow for day one of Winnipeg Jets training camp right here on the home of Winnipeg Sports, WST. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.